When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Potter Than Welcome. Damn, wrong podcast. Hey, this is Steve from the Potter Than Hell podcast. Welcome to the show. This is the Shout It All Out cast. But before we get going, I want to ask my guy something. BC, are you feeling low with no place to go? Yeah, and I'm thinking I'm going to scream. Hey, BB, do you recall Days in the City? Yeah, and I think back, oh, what a pity. And hey, Dylan, do you feel uptight on a Saturday night? Yeah, man, my heater's broken. I am so tired. Well, I'm going to throw another log on the fireplace and listen to the Shout Out Loud cast. Oh, yeah. Steve, stand by my side, and I'll be next to you. Oh, God. Shut the fuck up, BC. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the Shout It Out Loudcast. Don't turn your radio dial. You're in the right place because it's time for another bonus episode. We're calling this one Pyromania. I want to touch you. Zeus and Sami. Zeus and started shaking his head. What did you call him? Sami? This is This is. He's getting Tommy and Sonny mixed up. I think he's mistaking you for some other Tommy on a different podcast. Uh, oh, thanks. I appreciate that. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. Oh, fucking great. There, uh, Tawny. <laughs> it's like I'm Brangelina. S- <laughs> I'm Sami, you're Tawny. Uh, yeah, now you both are gonna fuck me up. Um, awesome over here. Uh, another great entrance there from for uh, for music from uh, our good friend Tony. Thank you again, Tony from Restrained. Make sure you guys pick up his music. He's out there on social media. Uh, and we met uh, Tony. <laughs> I almost did it. Tony, 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 Tony. We met Tony through Sonny, who I think you guys go way back, right? Uh, yeah, 87. Yeah. Wow. We go way back. Way back. Way back. Yeah, we uh, used to work together. Well, I worked. I don't know what he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we thank Tony for that intro. That's a killer riff he, he, he wrote for us. Uh, and maybe someday we'll have to come on. Uh, we'll have to have Tony come on here and uh, talk some shit with us. So. But we appreciate that, Tony. Absolutely. So I was thinking from the last episode, I don't like peas in my Joey quesadillas, but I do like peas in my rigatoni. What's wrong with peas and rigatoni? Uh, let's see. Once again, coming from somebody that's not Italian. <laughs> uh, here we go. We're going to revisit the Paul Stanley <laughs> menu. <laughs> Did somebody bring up Joey Casada? Yeah. <laughs> 
You got to cue oh. up that Godfather music now. <laughs> That's his theme, people. That's his theme. If his name gets mentioned on that program, on this program, he's getting the Godfather treatment. Yep. So we're here for bonus episode. What are we on number five now? Right? Yeah. Sonny forgot to say it. No, I think he did. I think he did. He I, don't, say, I don't remember. Say five. I, I, I was distracted by him calling me Sami, so I don't know what the hell was going on. But we're back here with bonus episode number five, and this one is pyromania. We kind of veered away from the polarizing effects of our previous bonus episode, which was Soundgarden Super Unknown. Oh, we did? Nobody told me. Here we go. Here it comes. This is polarizing. Pyromania is polarizing, Tom. Dude, py- if pyromania is about as polarizing as friggin' chocolate cake, but once again, you throw Sonny on here, and he's gonna shit on pyromania. Chocolate cake. <laughs> Thumbs down. Thumbs um, down. That, that's the funny thing about this, and that is that, um, like, we have no idea about Sonny and his opinion on a lot of these things. And uh, that's it. what we talked Yeah, and we were talking about the KISS draft earlier before we went on. Like, I know... Tommy stuff. He knows a little bit of mine where we stand on certain songs, albums, stuff with Sonny. When we said, let's do pyromania. So remember we're going in like kind of like a circular motion here of how to pick these albums. This one is stems back to the beginning where we picked the first one, all of us together, guns and roses, appetite for destruction. So we want to do a kind of a popular album that all three of us could be like, okay, everybody knows this one. And we decided on Pyromania. I don't want to say who the runner-up was because we'll probably do it. And uh, yeah, so Pyromania came on. But before we get into Pyromania, um, let's talk a little bit about the previous episode, but also anything else going on in rock. Did anybody see the concert that was uh, live since our last uh, episode? You know, with the Stones and Paul McCartney and... And nobody watched at that one live concert there. I didn't see it. One thing that I did, uh, I, I missed it when it was actually on, but I, I caught like everybody else. I caught some stuff on social media was, uh, I know, uh, me and Sonny are huge fans of Prince and they did that Prince anniversary, like tribute concert. I'm not sure if Sonny saw any of that had a lot of different acts from, you know, the Foo Fighters to all different people. Um, I love Prince and I love a lot of those bands that were doing it. So that was a cool thing to see. Um, the Rolling Stones thing, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Um, and we posted something on our social media, how a lot of these bands are making, you know, previous things They're putting them on YouTube or their social media. And and we keep bringing up the same thing about why the hell isn't Kiss doing anything like that? You know, even Paul Stanley's videos have kind of quieted down a little bit. He hasn't done one in a while, if if I'm correct. Sonny, right? Am I right about that? I haven't seen a new one. And, uh, yeah, a bunch of people putting old stuff out that Prince thing was brutal that really oh my god dude that prince thing i watched every second of it and i'm sitting next to nicole going why are they ruining some of my favorite prince songs like oh yeah not all it wasn't for sheila e i would have turned that thing off yeah not all of it was great that's for sure that's for sure and another one that i know i'm going to be on an island here with the two of you guys and probably most of our listeners oh fuck incubus no no By the way, that's my pick for next bonus album, so fuck that, off. That, no, I'm just kidding. That's a Murph pick, wasn't it? No, I thought Murph no, put love, that on. Yeah, no, but I, I thought I Murph did. put that on the text exchange. He did. Okay. He did. But, but look, I'm on record as saying, I know you two are going to roll your eyes and laugh at me, but this just happened the other day. I'm a, I'm a fan of new music. I'm a fan of people like Post Malone. Post Malone did a live um, 
a, a live stream with I think it was Travis Barker from Blink One Eighty Two. I'm not 100 percent sure, but he did a live thing of Nirvana covers. And I know that your instinct is going to be, if you haven't seen it, to say, oh, that sucks. It was really good. He can sing. He can play. He has a rock sensibility about him. Anybody that pays attention to Post Malone, his newest album, he did a song with Ozzy. That was really cool. I urge you to check it out just for the entertainment value of it. It's on there somewhere. Um, But, you know, nothing else is really going on. I don't know. I don't know, Zeus, if you've seen anything other than you talked about the Rolling Stones thing. So, no, I was just going to jump on. Look. Uh, anybody doing Nirvana covers, you're not doing Nirvana covers like you're saying, let's hit Prince's high notes. Let's do Bono's, uh, you know, voice or something, try to cover that or the edges sound. When you're doing Nirvana, the thing about Nirvana is it was just raw and edgy, you know, and his vocal style and singing was just out there and it's distinct. So you don't have to be, you know, oh, let me sing like, and if you try to sing like him, it's going to sound Really fake and awful. Right. But if you got it with your own voice, there is melody and it is melodic. You got to find it in Nirvana songs. And if you can do it and sing it well, good. I don't know Post Malone from fucking Carl Malone. I don't <laughs> listen to anything past the 90s. And you know that, Tom. No, so I, know, I don't I know. fucking know. But I'll probably check it out to hear it. I know it was on social media. Yep. Again, I don't. You know, I'm not into the new shit, and um, but I will check it out and hear how it sounds. So I'm not rolling uh, my eyes, but uh, the guy over there to the left had his arms folded when you were telling the story. <laughs> I don't Stop. know Post Malone for fucking Moses Malone, but I can tell you because <laughs> Tommy likes him. I ain't listening to that shit. Oh, hey, my God. Do you remember when Larry Bird told Moses Malone to eat shit? <laughs> Is that is that after Moses like broke the backboard or something or what happened? It was after the eighty one Celtics won the championship and it was the first like championship in a while in Boston and he was at uh like City Hall and <laughs> and someone let the French uh, the 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 hick from French lick uh gave him a microphone and he started swearing on TV. <laughs> we gotta come that we gotta come up with a nickname for Pooney like thumbs down Pooney or something because it just. It just <laughs> I'm I'm already nervous about our next bonus episode because like Zeus said, we try to do a rotation where every every fourth episode we try to pick a group agreement where it's like a popular episode uh, album, you know, generally speaking, and then we take turns, you know, Sonny will pick one, Zeus then me. So I think I'm next, but I'm I'm already dreading Sonny's pick cuz uh, you know, I have a feeling it's going to be, you know, Y and T live in Australia. I'm going to be like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> I'll give it a chance. I wouldn't do that to you. Pretty Boy Floyd kiss covers. That's what we're <laughs> going to do instead. <laughs> Actually, you got me into Y&T, so I'll give you kudos for that. I didn't really know too much about Y&T, so I, I would do a Y&T album if that's what you picked. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we had a lot of feedback on our previous episode about, um, you know, whether Soundgarden was the type of music our listeners wanted to hear. We got some good feedback. We got some... This is trash, just like Sonny Pooney said, you know, um, it, w- it was interesting. Guys, we are going to do that. Look, um, Tom's into jazz. I don't know what other types of music Sonny likes. I know he does like a lot of ballads and some Prince music. I like country music. You know, we're going to try to not veer too far off from a hard rock. We might. So we have that option. You want to listen to it? Listen to it. You don't, don't. It's as simple as that. But 
I thought Soundgarden in that album to me is one of the best rock albums of the 90s. It was worth putting it out there. And I want to hear these guys' opinion on that album. And I'm dying to hear what Tom's going to come up for our next one. But uh, guys, any thoughts about the previous album in the previous episode? Uh, didn't you get feedback on your uh, singing skills? Was that the one that he was singing on? Yeah, we're going to get to those at the end of the episode. <laughs> where we're going to talk. Some, somebody has a problem with my voice. Uh, I, 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 no, I, I, um, the uh, last album, you know, there's songs that I will go back and listen to, uh, and it will be in my normal rotation, but that whole album won't be because they're just songs I don't like. And it, it, uh, Got interesting feedback, that's for sure. I, I don't know if you guys saw the poll, but Fell on Black Days won. But Spoonman was second. <laughs> yeah, you know why it was second? Because we, like idiots, forgot to put um, uh, Black Hole Sun on that. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. We certainly weren't going to put half on there. <laughs> I started having nightmares. I was waking up in the middle of the night like this. No, that was, I mean, that, that was an easy album for me. Um, but, I, but those episodes are fun to me when, when, when you have you know one or two of us that really love an album and, and the other person or is kind of, you know, lukewarm or even less than lukewarm on it. I, I think that makes it, uh, you know, a little bit more interesting. And I think it makes it interesting for the listeners too. I mean, you know, we'd like to think that people like to listen to the three of us to just talk music and have some fun with it. So, you know. It was a long episode, but it's a long friggin' album, and we and we didn't cover just the album. We covered, we talked about the whole genre because that was our first grunge album. So it, it, it was a long episode, and we enjoyed it. And you know, we got like we said, positive, negative. Like Paul Stanley said, an extreme close up. If you love us, great. If you hate us, that's great too. If you're in the middle, get out. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you get out. <laughs> I thought you were going to say buy a onesie. <laughs> or some kiss slippers. <laughs> exactly. That too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, before we get started, I'm uh someone in this room is feeling a little bit uh a little bit uh what you call their uh horny. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? <laughs> free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select almost any one item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, loads on the free stuff. <laughs> Enter promo code LAUCAST at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts, a sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item we'll both enjoy, and six free spicy movies, plus free shipping. That's promo code LAUCAST at Adam and Eve. Um, we had a debate about the Spice Girls last time Tommy read that. Um, so you get six spicy movies. Um, do you have a favorite Spice Girl, Sonny? Curious. Uh, no, because they all look like men. I'm a <laughs> pussy. I'm a pussy cat dolls guy. <laughs> they look like men. Eminem wants to do men. He should impregnate Nicole Scherzinger, not one of those. Oh. They look like men. <laughs> the Spice Girls in the 90s look like men. Then if that's the case, then I was gay in the 90s. Zeus is taking personal offense to that. 
You can't compare the Pussycat Dolls to the Spice Girls. The yeah, Pussycat the- the, pussy the cat Spice Girls are, are better. Well, the Pussycat oh, no Dolls are way. hot, but they, they all look like strippers. Look, and anybody, any 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 red blooded American male knows that Baby Spice is the way to go when you're talking about the Spice oh, Girls. Oh my god, posh spice in the '90s. Everything was tight. Everything was black. Everything was porn vinyl or fucking leather or whatever she had on. Like like, oh my god. And then the rest of them were smoking hot too. The scary spice. This even, is Zeus. even sporty spice, Tommy. The one that you said on. looks like a man. <laughs> Go watch the Don't You Pussycat Dolls video and see oh, if you it. make it through half of it before oh, you got to go to the bathroom. Dude, seriously, why are you grabbing a towel over there? <laughs> Sonny just Sonny just entered. I told you, people, it's promo code Poonie. <laughs> <laughs> no way. There's your poll, Tommy. Pussycat dolls from the 2000s versus Spice Girls from the 90s. I'm not talking now. I don't want to see fucking all these people with six kids squeezed out and be like, yeah, who's hotter? This is Zeus's teaser trailer right now because his bonus episode pick is going to be Spice World when it comes time for him. Spice World. Dude, I'm not listening to the music. (laughs) We're watching it. Oh, oh man. All right. All right. Booger. Let's uh steer the ship back and uh get into the album Pyromania from Dawkin. So <laughs> really? who wants yeah. Who wants to give the facts on this one? Anybody want to start off? Can we start by us not by Dawkin first? Yeah. I think they got that, Sonny. <laughs> Well, no, uh, no, because we know you guys are so stupid. You think Pyromania is by Dawkins. <laughs> is that the typical shouted out loud cast voice that you're trying yes. to do, fan? That, that's the angry fan voice. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll get it started. So uh, as you guys know, I'm coming into music summer 84 MTV kid. So these videos were on constantly. I do remember... I didn't connect with it immediately, though. I thought it was catchy, but for whatever reason, I wasn't like, ooh, the Def Leppard video's back on. It was Hysteria that really got me paying some attention, and then I went backwards. So I didn't get this album probably till late 87, early 88. I saw him live for the first time in 87. Tesla opened in Sacramento, wall-to-wall women. It was in the round. We were in the pit, and uh, got a story about that, too. We got all the way to the front because... We haven't actually, you guys and me haven't actually met, but I'm the weight of Andre the Giant. Uh, I like to eat, but I don't eat like I used to. Before I used to eat a lot, but now I just try to be in diet and try to lose some weight. I used to weigh 560 pounds. 560 pounds? Yeah, it was a little bit too much. Now I'm down to 480 pounds. Just 480 and you're 7 foot 4? Yes. At what stage? I love to eat. And the temperament... And uh, a height, and um, maybe even the mannerism of a brown matlock. Right, so that's that's kind of what I am. So the way we used to do the pit was grab onto me and just follow. Right, and I would just push people out of the way till we got to the front, and then whoever's behind me pull them in front of me so that way they don't get crushed. Well, while the show's going on, one of my friends was getting crushed because like the pit was going crazy. 
and they actually got pulled out and taken backstage because wow. they were worried they were to pass out. And we didn't see him. We didn't see him again until after the show. <laughs> but uh, it was a great. Uh, it was a great show, and I think that that first show really cemented me as all right. I need to get into Def Leppard because obviously they got some great music. And even Joe Elliott would tell you, '88 was probably the biggest tour they had at the really the uh, beginning of their popularity, most likely, and peaked their popularity at hysteria and then probably came down at the next album. So, um, even though this thing's a diamond album, I don't think it was a diamond. I, it wasn't headed for diamond until hysteria came out. Right. Yep. Correct. So for me, um, this album is very, very, very special, influential and nostalgic for me. Other than kiss, um, this album probably means the most to me as a music fan. Um, my earliest memories of falling in love with rock music other than kiss. I always have that caveat is Def Leppard in this album. And my earliest memory is when MTV first kicked into gear, um, they played a lot of the high and dry videos. And at that time, those videos were like the, the like the live videos, you know, because they nobody had money. They would record like, you know, in a, you know, it, she had high and dry, <clears throat> you had let it go. And then of course you had bring it on the heartbreak, which was played all the time. And it was like, that was kind of like new, kind of like a, a different kind of sound because it wasn't like Iron Maiden. It wasn't Judas Priest. It wasn't Sabbath. And then when I was 10, this album came out in 83, Pyromania came out in 83. Um, you know, I was 10, MTV was in full force. And when that video for Photograph came out, that was, that was like, that was like it for me. I, I was obsessed with that song. I was obsessed with this album. It, it, this album is probably the most played album I've ever owned in my entire life. Cassette, CD. Um, I have the German import red vinyl. Um, I have that right next to me here when we talk about some of the artwork and liner notes. Um, it's just, a, it's just one of the most important albums for me um, in my collection. And I listen to it regularly. Some songs are amazing. Some songs are not amazing, but it's still Pyromania. Um, and we'll get into that. But this, 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 ep- when we agreed on Pyromania, I was just very, very excited because to talk about this album is, uh, it's very, very important to me. Yeah. I- I'm with you, Tom. I remember the old high and dry videos. Like Joe Elliott had, I just remember Joe Elliott had like this really shiny blue shirt and yeah. he looked like Billy Squire. And Billy Squire had been out there, the stroke and stuff. And I was like, oh, is that him? And it wasn't. But I liked those songs, kind of. Um, This specifically, I'm like you, maybe the most played album I've ever had. Um, And it's it's hard to describe, but this hits home. Like, it's part of your childhood. It's the music that got me into hard rock metal versus the music that made me a hip-hop fan. Or made me uh, into jazz or something else. Um, Pyromania did that. It's I, I kind of equate it from like music beforehand, and then photograph comes out, and I'll get into more details when we hit the photograph. We'll talk about the video and all that stuff. But to me, it's like the Wizard of Oz. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog too. <laughs> Boom! Everything's in color now. You land there, and you're seeing things. You're seeing a rock, what a rock guitarist looks like. You're seeing the lead vocal, a drummer, the bassist, the, the rhythm guitar. Like, everything opened up. I had this album. Uh, my family, I've, I've said this many times on the show before. So uh, me and all my 
my brother, all my cousins in 83. I know it's the first time I visited Greece with my parents. My, my mom brought us and it was me, my cousin, my cousin, Ken, I'm a, my cousin Kendall from Indiana he- and four other cousins, all boy cousins, all at the same age. This is Kissel. This came with us. This got played on my first trip, hanging out with older cousins, my brother and them. This was an eye-opening, like, I'm start. I'm not a kid anymore. I'm getting to be, this is 83, we're talking, I'm 10 years old now. It's my first summer in Greece. I've got pyromania with us. We have high and dry, but pyromania was the one we were playing the most. And I'll never forget that trip. It was my first trip there. I'll never forget having that, and that opened up my eyes to hard rock. And then I was, you know, obviously Kiss was there, but Def Leppard was probably my next favorite. And then you were always just waiting and waiting. When's this other album coming out? When's this other album going to come out? And then you're waiting. And then they do like they released high and dry again with me and my wine. And then you're like, okay, when's the next one coming out? And there was that hunger for pyromania. And then a whole new wave of metal acts, hard rock, soft metal, whatever you want to call it. Glam metal came in in between. And then obviously they regained the throne with hysteria. But pyromania, um, for me, established what I felt, and I think a lot of people felt, was what that whole era of hard rock and metal music. The, like I said, the lead singer, the the flashy guitarist, um, it, it just had that image, and this is what I pictured hard rock to be. Everything from that album was just the, you know, the hooks. The melody, like hard rock can be melodic. I loved like the Kiss albums. I loved uh, at around this time, uh, I was starting got, I got into some, I'm thinking myself personally, Ozzy's like Bark at the Moon had been out, Blizzard of Oz and all those stuff. Like that's the kind of music I was getting into, but nothing was as catchy because the other band I was into back then, Tom, and it's a pop band, we uh, Duran Duran, remember them? Of course, so that Absolutely. was big back then. So they were the link between Aussie Kiss and Duran Duran, right in the middle. Like it can be poppy, but hard rock. And to me, that music and that style and everything, everything got copied after. It's now somebody can point out to me, no fucking Kip Winger had an album out in 1982 before that. But to me, Pyromania set the standard, which got copied. And created. I think Quiet Riot had come out too, but I didn't really like them. I liked Def Leppard and Pyromania more, and that to me established my love for hard rock and music. So it's got a special place for me. Special what? Yeah, I I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And when we're talking about this particular album, for me, I think this album, and you you, you kind of hinted at it, Zeus. This album is like a, a mile marker in, in the history of rock music. There is before Pyromania. There is after Pyromania. What the hell am I looking at? When does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? We passed then. When? Just now. We're at now now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon. Because at this time, this came out at the beginning of um, 83. It came out in January of 83. There was no there, too fast for love. Too fast for love had already come out, um, and th- there was no shout at the devil. Shout at the devil came out at the end of '83. There was no rat. There was no Bon Jovi. 
None of that stuff was really out yet. So if you wanted like a dual guitar, like British band, you know, you had Judas Priest, you had Iron Maiden, you had Sabbath, you had stuff like that. But that stuff wasn't like accessible. It wasn't melodic. It wasn't poppy. It was like guys music. Um, so when you had, when you had, you had, you had, like you said, you had the hooks, the melody, you had layered guitars, layered vocals. You had a sensibility that was accessible. You had girls listening to Def Leppard. Girls didn't listen to, you know, Iron Maiden or Judas Priest or Black Sabbath or Ozzy Solo. This attracted everybody. And and this is another band, too, that really was the, the timing couldn't have been more perfect when when MTV was in its um, was in its infancy. And these videos shot them into orbit. Um, even Rick Allen, the, the drummer, like he, he even says, you know, this, this is this is a rock album for people who won't listen to Black Sabbath. You know, because you're not going to get this kind of this, the pop sensibility and the melodies. And like you said, Zeus, after this, this is when it blew open. You had Short Devil come out in that the end of that year. Then that's then it just blew open. Then you had Out of the Cellar, Rat. Then you had then that was it for the rest of the '80s. And you know, even even Def Leppard themselves adjusted what they did because then Hysteria is very different than Pyromania. Pyromania is very different than High and Dry. Um, you know, we'll get into that, you know, the production and how it involves too, Sonny. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, because there was, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. You could say this album was the bridge to hair metal, right? So if you're mm-hmm. not listening to Maiden, Priest, I think Saxon was around, supposedly, some other <laughs> show, I'm sure. You're not seriously that, uh, fucking throwing Saxon uh, in knows? the middle of this. Well, there's a bunch of, let's put it this way, there was a bunch of new wave British heavy metal okay. right. that All was right. not melodic, right? They weren't melodic, okay. but they had crunching guitars that connected them to people. Sure. And then after this, there was there, nobody can re- re- reproduce this because they don't have Joe Elliott's vocal. So after this, it's like, well, wait a second. We could just be good-looking guys, check our ass a little bit like uh, Phil Collins doing there, <laughs> and uh, we yep. should be good to go, right? So I think this is the bridge to what's to come. Absolutely. No doubt. And, and, and when we talk about the production, this is probably one of those first albums that really, because you talk about the producer, you talk about the legendary Mutt Lang, who, you know, who, who did Foreigner 4, which set that band into the stratosphere with a hit-loaded album like that. And, of course, more well, more known for doing Back in Black, ACDC, and sending them into orbit. They were already, you know, first album with Brian Johnson, and then Back in Black just takes off into another atmosphere for them. High and Dry was a, was a, was a rocking, kick-ass, you know, ballsy, raw rock record. It was hooky. Uh, but it wasn't pyromania and, and Mutt Lang was with, was with them on high and dry, but he was really, really involved in pyromania. Um, and, and the production is a little bit different. It has a little bit more of a pop sensibility. And like we like the three of us have said, this is definitely that bridge between early eighties, British hard rock slash metal to what we got, what we got, you know, after this. Okay. Now, one of the things you, you mentioned back in black and all that, um, I know you guys aren't country fans. I am. The fact that like Mutt Lang, like these two albums, like Back in Black and Pyromania, Hysteria and stuff, they are minuscule to what he took over. The hottest woman probably in the 90s compared to Spice Girls, his wife, Shania Twain. That's that right. Album, She's still hot. Yeah. That album, um, The Woman and Me, 20 million. Oh, you think that's good? Let me come up with the next one. 40 million. Yep. Okay. Um, 
that is insane. 60 million albums, the two albums that he worked on with his then smoking hot wife, the woman to me and come on over. And all those songs are country Def Leppard. If you listen to it, it's, it's true. Yep. Country Def Leppard. Go. I mean, <laughs> any man of mine is country. Pour some sugar on me. But you can tell, and reminds me, I'm not sure who said it about Bob Ezrin. Bob Ezrin has a Bob Ezrin album, and he has Kiss perform on it. Yep. Mutt Lang seems like, oh, I could do this, but I want a little harder and bluesier. I'll put ACDC on this one. I've got to feel like a little hard rock, but more popish. I'll put Def Leppard to do my album here. This thing, oh, I'll do a little country this time. I'll have my smoking hot wife do it. And then, it, like... It just seems like he's not just, hey, that's a good, that's a, that's good guitar there, Mick Mars. Ah, uh, we'll keep that. He's writing everything with them. So this is like his album. Absolutely. He wrote all this with them. They spent a long time on this record. So could you imagine Mutt doing a Kiss record in the 70s? <laughs> right? He'd be like, Ace, what the fuck was that? Play it again. I'm not sure what I played. <laughs> played again anyway. Dude, is Ace Steven Michael? What the fuck? <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> what the fuck was that? I'm all just gonna came out. Come on, dude. If you got to do oh, what the fuck I played? Me? How did I sound? I think, uh, who's the drummer in Kiss right now? Eric Singer. But you're right. Uh, you're right. Mutt, Mutt Lang was lucky that you know the the the, the Def Leppard guys were like good guys, relatively patient, because he was like painstakingly like anal about this recording when it come to the drum work, the the guitars. Like he was very like we like Zeus had already hinted at. We talked about like he was very. This was like a Mutt Lang album where he took Def Leppard and said, I want you to make this album for me, as opposed to oh I'll produce your album. He's like no no you'll make my album. Um, and that's what it turned out to be, you know, and like you said, this would never have worked with people like Ace and Peter. I can take, yeah, I can take a great band like ACDC, but they're not young and as good looking as these guys. Exactly. Let me make it a little popish. Let me make this the fucking pre Backstreet Boys, uh, in sync and create this sound with them, which I can get with ACDC, but make them prettier and poppier. And there you go. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think it's a little easier to be patient, too, when you're a Joe Elliott. You just had hits in America with bringing on the heartbreak and blah, blah, blah. And he's working on the construction site. I think he's thinking, all right, either I listen to this dumbass or I got to go pound hammers and they fuck that. I'm not doing that. Yes, I'm calling about the helper job. Construction helper. It's true. And and one one huge thing, too, talking about Mutt in the in the production and <clears throat> Rick Allen was is was not happy about this too and you can see the vast difference in the sound between high and dry and pyromania is that electronic like snare drum that very poppy 
you know, and, 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 you know, we, we saw a documentary about this album and, you know, Mutt Lang was even like hinting at some of that electronic music with the, that was popular at the time, you know, bands like the human league. Duran Duran and Rick Allen was like, dude, I'm a fucking rock drummer. What are you doing here? And then, but like you said, they were young enough. They did it. They trusted him, you know, and the, and the rest became history. Obviously that electronic sound really took over on hysteria for obvious reasons due to the tragedy involving Rick Allen. Um, but the, the musical landscape had changed too in 88 and hysteria is, I mean, I know, I know high and dry pyromania hysteria, different albums, but this could be a poll too, or a debate. One of the all time greatest three album runs in the history of hard rock. I mean, without a doubt. And this is the middle one. Exactly. Both in reality and chronological and the sound it's the middle. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, let, let's get to some of the facts on this one. Released in January 20th, 1983. It, it got up to number two, but it just could not beat uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. It sold about six million and then with, you know, Def Leppard's popularity and hysteria and everything, eventually got up to 10 million diamond. I know you guys over there at um, Grown Up Rock did a big diamond uh, episode, right, Sonny? Yeah, we talked about all the rock diamond uh, albums there are out there, and there's there's quite a few. You'd be surprised some of the ones that made it to diamond. To be honest with you, if you go look at the list, um, but yeah, there's there's several several. I have several on that, that diamond list that were not diamond when they came out, but became diamond later after the next album took them to the standard stratosphere. And this yep. is one of those. Yeah. Um, so the album, um, you know, comes out in 83 produced by Mutt Lange. So we usually talk about the album covers before we really get into the songs. Um, guys thoughts about the cover. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's an absolutely iconic album cover. Um, everybody knows it. You can see it from far away. Um, <clears throat> I'm holding the vinyl in front of me. So I have a nice big, bright copy of the, of the artwork. You know, it's got that scope with the building on fire, the smoke billowing out of it. Um, and it's interesting too, cause when you look at the building, the front of the building looks like a regular, you know, skyscraper. But if you look to the side of it, the side part of the building, the left side, it looks like it's like some kind of computer technology type thing. Um, you know, kind of looks a little comic booky. Yeah, you got comic books? Yeah. Yeah, well, where are they? What's, you know, what are they, funny? You know, and I think, Sonny, you had some you had some, some information on, on that as well, maybe about that album cover. Excuse me. Yeah, Andy Airfix uh, did this cover, and he's mostly a graphic designer. So I guess they found him because he did the Dead or Alive cover. I didn't know that was an iconic cover. And the Thomas Thompson Twins cover. So... They wanted, uh, they wanted something that was a bit futuristic, but, you know, had some punch to it. So Andy, like I said, is a graphic designer. So he hires an artist. He draws up something and says, hey, go make this into something. And then looked at it, go, oh, man, that's kind of like Marvel comic a little bit. Okay, let's add this and this and make it a little futuristic. So that's kind of where it came from. I, I like the album cover. I think it's cool. And it's definitely iconic. Yeah, I, I think it's more iconic than something that, like, at the time, like, Oh my God. Um, I, I, you know, I'm so used to it. It's got the Death Leopard logo on the top left, Pyromania, the uh, gun uh, scope image, and then the fire and everything blowing up. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, it, it's it's pyromania, so I, I I recognize it. There's not really much to say. It's just iconic because of what it is. Um, and I'm not really sure about now that I'm thinking about. Uh, the band does not usually appear on their albums, at least not the first five that I can think of off the top of my head. It's always some sort of an image. Um, albums three, four, and five, one word titles. And I think then you get into how did the name come from? And Sonny, you had something on that. So the, the name, uh, there's an engineer. They had an engineer and uh, the guy's name is uh, Craig Thompson, I think, right? Yep, Craig Thompson. So I got to go back. So they're trying to get this certain sound out of their marshals, obviously Mutt's being a pain in the ass. By the way, if Mutt was running this podcast, we'd never fucking get done. Um, but anyway, um, so he's, he's being a pain in the ass. They can't get the right sound out of it. And, uh, somebody says, Oh man, we should just go burn these marshals. And the engineers like probably took it personally and said, you guys are a bunch of pyromaniacs. And that's kind of where it came from. Yeah. And you got to love those stories because whenever as a fan, you're like, oh, pyromania. Oh, it must be like such a creative thought provoking album title. And meanwhile, it's just a friggin', you know, lucky conversation that they had with, with a guy that overheard them wanting to burn their shit. You know, it's just, it's just funny how that stuff happens. Yeah. We're so used to doing like episodes about like creative titles, like lick it up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there's a long story for the creation of that title. But let's talk about the back album cover. Well, for the vinyl, it would be back album for the CD. So the back album, um, again, I'm looking at the vinyl. I think Zeus has the CD. Um, you have four, excuse me, five what kind of look like slides like of, uh, of all the band members, like action shots. Um, and then you have um, a big picture overlaying it with like all matchsticks, some of them in flames, some of them just laying there. Then you have the track listing, which... They're taking a page out of Kiss's book. The track listing is out of order. It's not the actual track listing when you when you open up the CD or take out the vinyl. Um, and then you have you know information on the back about band members, producers, et cetera, et cetera. And we can you know we'll we'll, we'll cover that part eventually too. Um, the other thing is, so I have the CD. I don't remember. I had the cassette. I don't yep. remember the cassette having lyrics. The CD that I have does have lyrics, and that's great. And um, you know, and it's got a couple pictures and stuff, but. You know, let's get to, you know, who's on this album. So the big thing about this, we said it already a few times. It is produced by Robert John Mutt Lange, right? At the time, the band was still Joe Elliott, uh, Steve Clark, uh, uh, Rick uh, Savage, uh, Rick Allen, and um, Pete Willis. And um, Pete Willis did all the guitar backing uh, was a, a rhythm guitar on the whole album, and then because the little shit was uh too much of a drunk apparently, and he was you know messing up in the studio, not just on the road, they decided to give him the heave ho, and apparently then Mutt Lange brought in Phil Collin and said, "Hey, here's a solo. Can you try it?" And he took it in one take, and they're like, "Yeah, he, this guy should be your guitarist." And he jumped in. He did the lead guitar on a bunch of the tracks. And we'll go over which ones he did versus Steve Clark. And he added backing tracks on all the songs as well. Um, Thoughts on the band in itself. Yeah, it's too bad what happened with Pete Willis because the guy was an absolute – he was a great guitar. I mean anybody that's listened to High and Dry knows his ability to contribute to to the band. 
But like Zeus said, you know, I think what the story was he showed up at the studio to, to try to record a solo for Stage Fright, and he oh, was so God. shit-faced. Yeah, I'd like to straighten out this funny little drinking problem I got. That the, he just couldn't even he couldn't even get it done, and you know, Mutt Lang pretty much sent him home, and that was it. You know, you never heard from him again, and that's too bad uh, because the guy was a talented guy, just a troubled guy. But you bring in somebody like Phil Collin and. Phil Collin just has has just propelled that band, and I think that I think the solo that he kind of tried out for, I think it was the solo from Photograph, which ended up being the solo they used on the album, which is an iconic solo, and we'll you know we'll talk about that too, Sonny. Yeah, I yeah I have a conspiracy theory. I said this. I think Mutt said, uh, "Phil, take your shirt off, put these white <laughs> pants on, and turn around." All right, you're in. I think that's what happened. Yeah, and, then he, and then he said, "Don't." And then he said, "Don't ever put your shirt on ever again ever on stage." Again, even when you're 63. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He looks great, though. Give him credit. God I bless know, the guy. Does. I am an attractive person. <laughs> and, and you over there, Frodo. Frodo. Um, <laughs> get the fuck out of the band. Everybody else is a good-looking guy, and then you have this fucking little ugly little hobbit with sausage fingers yes he's he happens to be a, a dwarf or midget i don't know what he's called exactly but uh he's a little guy little billy barty god rest but thin fingers not the fat sausage fingers like you gotta go so they boot his ass out they booted him across the barn. And then my horsey, when he got scared, he booted me across the barn because he was angry with the birds. And then, um, you know, he, they, they became the iconic good-looking Death Leopard band, right? The other thing is they added some extra players on this album. Uh, amongst them, which I did not know, was... <laughs> Who, Tommy, playing keyboards uncredited under his real name? Science, <laughs> the one and Science? only, the, the one Science. and only, <laughs> the one and only Thomas Dolby listed as Booker T. Boffin <laughs> in the album. Not to confuse with Booker T, the five-time, 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 five-time WCW champion. Can you dig it, dig it, sucker, sucker? Oh my God. <laughs> Who doesn't love She Blinded Me with Science? Come on. I And I'll be honest, I didn't know that either until we was do, looking into this. In between, and he took time in between a calling uh, Red Sox championship games and football games to come in and play keyboards here, right? I'm Thomas Dolby. I mean, I'm Joe Buck. <laughs> Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Joe Buck is Thomas Dolby. And every time he would call a game and me and Tom would be there, either a playoff game or a baseball game, we'd always go, science! (laughs) (laughs) I bet Joe loved that. (laughs) Fucking so stupid. (laughs) Oh, God. But anyways, yes. The uh, Booker T, the wrestler, Boffin, Joe Buck uh, played keyboards, uncredited in synth. I guess he would call him in to play on a lot of Robert Mutt Lange albums. Backing vocals from the Leopardettes. Yeah, um, what is that? 
<laughs> Probably some goddamn good-looking women. Uh, yeah, exactly. The leopardettes. And, and it's funny, too. We talked about it. So, And it says Joe Elliott, Steve Steeman Clark, Phil Collin, Rick Savage, Rick Allen, and then guitar backing tracks on all songs, Pete Willis. Now, backing tracks... That's not, is, is Stuart going to get upset if he finds out? Is, is this, are these the backing tracks that Eddie Trunk rails against, or is this approved? Oh, oh you, but he's not going to get upset about the harmonizer they use for the backing vocals? Exactly. Like, Stuart doesn't have a problem with that? No, because many, Def Leppard is his buddies. How many layers oh God. of vocal tracks do oh. they use? Never mind when they get to hysteria off the charts, that is, right? But even on yeah. Pyromania, the, that's the one common theme. And let's, I mean, I'll, I'll get into it. The, the common theme we talked about last episode, Soundgarden, was, you know, Cornell's vocals. Joe Elliott's vocals are fantastic. Fantastic. A towel? The dual guitars, fantastic. Drumming, great. Bass, nice couple bass lines in here. But, you know, the one thing that I feel like sticks out to me is this becomes the blueprint i feel for all rock music going forward and that is the two guitars good looking guys catchy as fuck choruses vocal harmonies that these choruses that these guys do is unmatched in rock i've talked to you about this the only one i can think of that does it as good is van halen where the chorus background the band can do but these guys from every song down Every one of their vocal harmonies are off the charts. Impeccable. And you know that's Mutt Lange in the studio. In the studio is kind of played live as well. Because they sound just as good live. And it's not them doing that live. But it's just, you know, in the way the guitar comes in. The solo on every one of these songs. It's like, you know, Elliot sets it up. Going straight to my head. And then points and then boom. Then there goes Phil Collin. And it's a, you know, whammy bar. Right? All these things that I think of when you think of hair metal, and I don't, and that's a topic later, whether this is hair metal, but all these things in that picture, him jumping to his knee and playing guitar in the, in the videos, it's all like stem from this album and stem from these videos. And then that's the foundation that took over years and years to come. Yeah. I don't think I wanted to put something together that was going to be catchy and get a lot of audience there's no doubt about that he said all that i don't think he realized that he basically like we said before took that iron maiden judas priest dual guitar attack with the incredible vocal and put it together with the duran duran melodies and good looking guys and didn't realize oh my god i got a fucking gold mine here right but that's what it became absolutely yeah excuse me and i think you know looking at an album like pyromania and a band like def leppard at this era you know we talked about how it's kind of bridged bridged uh, you know a lot of people from some of that hard rock dual guitar that wasn't really accessible it's almost like kiss at their peak got a lot of kids or younger listeners into rock and roll music you know the stage presence the guitars the harmonies the the melodies and it's like Def Leppard kind of did the same thing for like 80s rock because when I was 10 years old I was music was was a huge thing for me and I knew some Judas Priest I knew some Iron Maiden but it didn't grab me the way that Def Leppard like grabbed me and then like we've talked about before and then it just pushes you into that world of pop metal and whether that's kind of a, a, a derogatory term or not that's what this is and it, it's the first album of its kind and like i said previously there is a pre and a post pyromania world out there yeah you better hope in 1983 that robert 
that Rob Halford did not grab you and push you, Tom. <laughs> Because you would have some issues. Now, not that there's anything wrong with that. Take a look at Judas Priest. Melod- like back then, you got another thing coming. Very catchy song. You ain't taking those ugly fox oh. and selling that to girls and bringing that mainstream as much. Song kicks ass. Judas Priest has got all the talent as Def Leppard, but they don't got that catchy pop sound. I, it's lightning in a bottle. He found the good-looking guys that have talent. That boy's got talent. So, you know, and the same thing with, like, Duran Duran. And, you know, those guys actually were good-looking guys, but they had some talent. And they had some charisma. Def Leppard has charisma. Likeable guys. Cool as fuck. Guys like them. Chicks wanted to bang them. Yep. And it was the perfect thing. Talented guys. Catchy hooks. Good looks. You know, it It worked. And, you know, all of a sudden you got the, the, the start of something different. And then everybody goes, hey, that's something different. Let's all do that. Grunge, the same thing when we did it on our last episode, right? Yep. Something picked up. And then next thing you know, we got uh, Sonny listening to uh, Pretty Boy Floyd and fucking <laughs> uh, and Bullet Boys, you know? Hey, there's nothing wrong with the Bullet Boys. Don't hate on the Bullet Boys. All right, boys. So you ready to get into the album tracks? So, first one, rock, rock till you drop. And here it goes. So I was listening to the song and looking at the album cover and realized there's an inordinate amount of exclamation points. <laughs> rock. Rock. Like uh, maybe uh, I guess they figured uh, the title lacked enthusiasm. I don't know. So I love the riff. Exclamation point. The song is very anthemic. Exclamation point. And it's very ACDC. Exclamation point. And stupid Joe Buck Thomas Dolby's in it. <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> so what, what so no, what, it what, just you could tell immediately that the like the production is just awesome. 
Oh, yeah. So what we're going to need to do here now is Zeus is going to have to drop in the bit of Elaine using too many exclamation points. <laughs> you should learn to use them. Like the way I'm talking right now, I would put exclamation points at the ends of all of these sentences on this one and on that one. <laughs> OK, um, but no, it's a, a killer opener, um, you know. It, it's it, it, you know you're in for a fun ride with 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 an album that opens up like this, um, and the song the the main riff and the intro section of this song it was taken from an old 1980s song called Medicine Man. Um, this was a track that Def Leppard performed live on much of their uh, on through the night tour, their first album back in 1980. So they kind of reconfigured some of it for this, and um, it's a you know catchy chorus, killer verses, you know just good stuff. Yeah. Um, so written by Mutt, Steve Clark, Rick Savage, Joe Elliott. One of the things we talked about on this album was if you look certain parts, it does say who wrote the song, but then uh, it'll say songwriters and it'll miss list the whole band in Mutt Lange throughout this whole album. So I, there's two conflicting things. I'm assuming they're meaning songwriter wrote the song and the lyrics or a portion of it. So songwriters throughout the whole album are the five and Mutt Lange. And the five includes uh little boy there. Um, <laughs> the, the Hobbit there. He will be Willis. Yeah. And not Phil Collin. Yep. And Mutt Lange, obviously this one has, and they alternate in the band. So uh, the Hobbit plays rhythm guitar throughout the whole album, but Steve Clark and Phil Collin switch who sings, who does lead guitar. Uh, on this one, Phil Collin was the lead guitar, did the solo. Um, I, I think this is a great way to start an album, and you'll see the running theme of every song has like a buildup. And it's a little bit of that Bob Ezrin, little, little sound effects, a little, like, not just play the fucking song and go. So, uh, but it builds it up. And that intro is great, and then that riff takes off. Holy shit. And then Cinderella stole it and put it on Gypsy Road, in my opinion. <laughs> um, what a great way to uh, start an album. Very high and dry, I think. I think mm -hmm. it matches. It would have fit on that album. And uh, Sonny mentioned ACDC. This is by far uh, Joe Elliott's best Brian Johnson impression. Oh yeah, he sounds just like him on this more than any of. There's another one song that he sounds like him a little. This is the most that he sounds like him. Um, you know, great harmonies as Tom's talked about. The solo is great. The vocals are great. Um, you know, and and if you noticed, um, all these solos are very melodic. You can hum them. You can sing them. Very Ace Fraley. But again, like something we talked about before the album, like the quintessential. How does a rock hear metal or hard rock song go in the eighties? There it is. The vocals, the melody, the chorus leading into a great guitar solo, just long enough. And then right back into the chorus. Uh, it's fantastic. And I like the nice little bridge they got there. Rock, rock, give it to me. Yep. Don't ever stop. Like they do some of that stuff in there. Still singing. We're going to get more <laughs> feedback. Yeah. They, they can go fuck themselves. Um, and then in addition to that, I always wonder what he was saying at the end. And now I actually have the lyrics and I can rant too loud, man, too loud. Yep. I like that. A little, a little ironic humor there or something, or what is he talking about? I don't know, but that's, that's kind of, that's a kind of an interesting ending to a song, but overall great kick-ass way to start an album. Yep. Absolutely. So let's move it along. And, uh, I think you guys have heard this next song.
So we talked about Pyromania got to number two because Michael Jackson was number one. Um, But this song only got to 12. Let me tell you what the 11 songs above it were. So 11 was Da Commissar. 10 was Time by the Culture Club. 9 was My Love by Lionel Richie. Then you got Jeopardy by the Greg Kin Band. Solitaire by Laura. 6 was Little Red Corvette. 5 was Joe Buck with She Blinded Me with Science. Um, yeah. four was over, four was overkill by men at work. Three was flash dance. Two was beat it. And one was less dance by David Bowie. Like you get to a point where you're just not going to top some of these iconic songs. I'm not sure all of those are, but y- you have to give it to Def Leppard that they competed, right? Cause not, not really a lot of rock albums were competing and you know, quite right. I guess this shit about metal health was the first number one album, blah, blah, blah. This technically should have been if they didn't have to compete with thriller. <laughs> right technically yeah. these guys should have been the joel is vocal at this point i mean he's hitting notes women can't hit i mean he there's no way he could have kept up what he was doing in 1983 eh? he, there's no doubt about that the the video i don't know if you noticed but rick's got the headset mic so we already got backstreet boys happening we got the <laughs> union jack shirt we got phil collin like every time the camera's on joe phil collin for some reason jumps into the camera angle <laughs> uh, i don't know why that all is um, and then something Zoo said before is you could have completely ruined this song by putting an Yngwie Malmsteen solo in, right? Like in, if Yngwie's doing this song, the song is shit. It never gets number 12 because you can't have a two-minute solo in a song like this. But the, the solo is just enough to make it like a perfect 80s melodic rock song. There is no doubt about it. So Photograph is probably my all-time favorite song and it's been that way since the first time it's been that way since the first time i heard it when i was age 10 um the video the song the chorus the drums the hook um the guitar solo if i didn't already say that it's just i think this is the song that every band wanted to have they saw what this video did for the for the song it, the layered vocals, the harmonies, um, it, it, like Sonny said, a perfectly timed, catchy solo. And every band after this was like, oh, my God, we have to have a photograph. We have to find a way to make this. We have to have this in our catalog. And then look, moving forward, all those all those 80s bands, they all had 
that one iconic song. It may not have been photographed, but a lot of those bands had that one song that they could hang their hat on. And I think that's what everybody was striving for, especially in the MTV era. Number yeah. one favorite song and 10 year old video. Did Marilyn Monroe take her top off and I miss it or something? Well, I did like Rick Allen's Union Jack shorts <laughs> as he sit there spread eagle behind the drum kit. So maybe that had something to do with it. All right. So. It went to number 12 on the charts. It was written by Mutt Lang, Steve Clark, Pete Willis, Rick Savage, and Joe Elliott. Poor drummer. <laughs> Wasn't in there, Rick Allen. Phil Collin did the solo on this. Um, the riff. It's that shook me all night long. Same riff. Funny Funny. it's the same producer, right? Yep. That riff, I, it's just the same thing that got you talked about. Other people started doing that photograph. So you mean like you give love a bad name or uh, heaven's on fire? Those type of songs with the drum, the guitar, the drum, the guitar, you know, the video is iconic. So it had bigger lasting impact than most songs that Sonny had read off the top 11 songs. Think about the impact this one did. Um, You know, Marilyn Monroe, he must have had some sort of affinity for her and they put her in the video. The Union Jack became such a huge Def Leppard imagery in pop culture. Everybody was getting the Union Jack. Just like, hey, relax. Don't do it. (laughs) Right? That was an 80s thing. The Union Jack was an 80s thing. Oh, God, yeah. Yep. And then and then, <clears throat> and then Sonny's favorite, the Spice Girls brought it back, right? With oh, the Union oh, Jack. Oh, good lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they looked like men. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Just like Joel. Yeah, because they look same fucking no, hair. Yeah, they didn't do their hair like either. Girl, and then they look like men. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but you're right. And then Rick Allen and his Union Jack tidy fucking little sh- Tom Selleck Magnum P.I. shorts. Well, because I was wearing short shorts. You know, I used to wear little shorts on the job and whatnot. And um, that reminds me of the thing that I think it was you put up or your wife and on Facebook about oh, yeah. these are the right length of shorts. And they were like the Magnum PI Larry Bird circa 86 shorts where you like the balls are like you know, basically hanging out. That was me. I put, I tagged, I tagged my wife in it because she still watches Magnum because it's still on and it, it, it's got him getting out of the Ferrari and he's got those nut huggers on. And they're like, they're barely shorts. <laughs> Those fucking 80s, like basketball shorts. The yeah. nut nuggets there. Yep. <laughs> Larry Bird specials. Oh my God. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing I, um, there's a little thing that comes uh, prevalent on this album, and that's that cowbell. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. <laughs> Right. And yep. there it is. It's 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 in there. And then there's a little slide guitar in there, too. If you notice, Phil Collins doing a little slide guitar. Joe Elliott's jumping off the stage, which Paul would try to replicate in every fucking 80s kiss video. Remember with the leg split? And he was thinking he was David Lee David, Roth or something like that. Sorry. Yep. And settle down, Joe Elliott. You're no David Lee Roth either. Um, you know, and, and also, if you remember, he had like something like leg warmers on. What the fuck was that look? Yeah. The Union Jack shirt looked cool, but whatever he, the pants, whatever was going down below there, just not, not, not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Go ahead, Sonny. You were about to say something. <laughs> I'm going to say between nut huggers and leg warmers and shit. I didn't even know he had pants on. I wasn't looking there. <laughs> Sorry. Hard to, I mean, it's hard to miss, man. And then, you know, you guys already talked about it. And that is the, you know, and I'll say it, not sing it so Sonny doesn't cry. You gone straight to my head and he drags that note out and then point, you know, and then what has happened? Phil Collins drops the one knee in his white pants, shirt kind of unopened, jamming on the guitar. And that was, and I will be honest, because I remembered um, high and dry videos and Steve Clark was my favorite guitarist because I didn't like The Hobbit. And I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And why is he overshadowing my guitarist? Because he was all flash. And I'm like, my guitarist isn't doing shit now. He's in the background. And I'm like, who's this flashy asshole? But he looked badass just out there jamming away on that. And, you know, and it's got the, I don't know, um, f- fucking quintessential 80s stuff. Chicks in fucking cages and just cheesiness. But the video really changed, you know, hard rock and music. Good looking guys playing a fun, catchy song changed everything. Um, and this song just really started it off huge for Def Leppard. Uh, anything else you guys want to add? Yeah, it was the first video to knock off Beat It off the most requested videos. Photograph was the font was the one that finally toppled Beat It off the uh, off the top of the mountain there. And you know, getting back to the video, so it it the the video obviously everybody who's listening to this has seen it, but it's got the mixed in you know the Marilyn Monroe stuff, and then it's got the band performance and. Maybe it was a budgetary thing, but is there a smaller fucking stage where a bunch, where a five member band, I mean, those guys were on top of each other and, and, and watching the video, I'm like, Jesus Christ, Rick Allen's the most comfortable one. Cause the rest of the guys are like, like on top of each other. Not in those Tom Selleck shorts. He wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe you're right. That's true. But no, nah, I mean, what can you say about photograph? I mean, it's just the, the video and the song just iconic especially if you're our age yeah absolutely sonny anything else i uh, nope, i'm good all right let's go uh to the next one So stage fright. So there's a couple of songs on this album that get lost because of the huge hits that are on this album. This is one of the ones to me, a great song kind of, you know, has that live recording feel a great riff. I'm not sure if the song's about groupies or if it's about a woman a little shy to get down. I'm not sure, but I can tell you one thing I'm sure about because it's 1983 and this thing is written in 82 Kiss is coming off the elder and going into creatures. And Paul 
listens to this in 83 before Lick It Up comes out and goes, oh my God, I could have wrote this song. Like some of these lyrics, I'm sure Kiss is like, or Paul especially, is like, God! right like just dying because it's like oh my god these guys stole my song um problem that i have with this song is it just gets lost but it used to open with this song so it was it was a great opening song too uh but it just it didn't get released as a single so it never had a shot to be iconic yeah i totally agree with sunny i'm on board with it it's it's a lost deep cut gem you know it's got those sound those effects that make it sound like there's an audience um killer riff a song that could have been on high and dry um and it's funny how you hear you hear that that pop that polished pop rock metal of photograph, and then they just change the change course and just go right into this ripping fast paced rocker. You know, kind of almost like reminding people, hey, we can do both. We can do we can do it all. Want to come in and just give it all? I want to show you what I'm capable of. You know, we can we can rip it up on stage fright. You know, if we have to. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I totally agree with Sonny. A, a song that gets lost on this album, written by Mutt Lange. Rick Savage, Joe Elliott. Uh, Phil Collin did the solo on this one. I, I think this one is another one of those high and dry type songs, right? More in line with the, the previous album. And it's another buildup of a song. And everybody loves the welcome to my show beginning. And the crowd noise pumped in. So I'm, I'm like, now that I look back, I'm like, oh, gee, that's how they did a live, huh? Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, here we go. That's how they here did a live. Um, <laughs> You know, a lot of the whammy bar, so 80s and stuff. Um, and this is another one of those, not as bad as rock rock, but another one of those Brian Johnson type vocals that he does. Um, I will say this, because I'm not going to give away my preferences and things like that. There is not a song that I'll go eh on this album. None. So if I talk about a song and I'm like, eh, it's not as great. Um, Sonny's giving me dirty looks. It's not. I'm saying in comparison to the rest. All of these songs are unbelievable, in my opinion. They're all iconic. They're all fantastic. But, you know, some are obviously got to be better than others. I really like this song. Let's just leave it at that. But I wouldn't call this song a deep cut. I wouldn't call any song a deep cut off this album. Because this whole fucking album is well known by everybody. And everybody's played this a million times. So everybody knows at least I think of the fr- people and the friends that we grew up with, Tom, knows what Stage Fright is, knows the song. Uh, that's just my opinion. Um, so let's move on. Too Late for Love. Somewhere in the distance, I hear the bells ring. Darkness settles on the town as the children start to sing. Lady across the street, she shuts out the night. I guess the thousands wait, and she turns out the light. But it's too late, too late, too late, too late for love. Too late, too late, too late, too late.
So th- this one really is more of a visual song. And you don't usually get this in the type of music we listen to, but he's definitely telling a story here and painting a picture, which, uh, you know, like somewhere in the distance, I hear the bells ring, darkness settles on the town, children start to sing. Like it feels like it was maybe a poem kind of written and then converted to a song or maybe somebody's like fictional story or something like that, Um, which I love it. Uh, You can really hear Savage's bass bumping on this song a little bit more than some of the other previous songs that whole dropping the music out do some vocal bringing it back build up i mean all those hook type tricks that we've been talking about are very prevalent in this song the video is interesting because i don't know if you noticed but everybody was in black and, and rick still didn't get the memo he was still wearing the same shorts it's like everybody go change rick you stay put you know i don't know what the hell the other thing that i noticed in this video and then i went back and watched the other ones i'm like oh it kind of happens everywhere steve clark is not comfortable he almost mm. makes it feel like he does not want to be known he wants to be behind the scenes and mm-hmm. maybe at the end that's what got him right maybe that's what actually did him in where phil collins on the other end like hammered it up and trying to get into every scene Steve Clark's almost trying to hide behind what's going on, which was, uh, it was evident in this video, at least. Yeah. Good call, Tom. Yeah. One thing I love about, I love, I love the song, um, but I love the track listing of this album. Like, and I think that contributes to the enjoyment of it. Like you, like we said, we have that, that pop metal perfection and photograph, you turn up the, you turn it up on stage fright, then you slow it down on too late for love. But the intro to this and the way the song just kicks in after that very kind of moody intro with the sound effects and Joliet's voice. And then it, you know, it just rips in and it, it's just a, it's a killer song. And, you know, I think what, what Sonny said too, about Steve Clark, rest in peace. You know, I, I think he may have been one of those guys where, you know, I'm a, I'm a guitar player. I'm a rocker. I don't want to be in a video. I don't want to dress up and perform for the camera. Phil Collin relished that. Like we said, Phil Collin doesn't wear fucking clothes when he's on stage. Cause he wants everybody to look at him, you know, rest in peace, Steve Clark, unbelievable guitarist. But like Sonny said, it felt a little bit, a little bit out of place. And, 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 and this era was not for everybody. Um, but you know, that being said, one of the, one of my favorites on this album, I'll probably be saying that about all the songs, but this, a cool, a cool vibe to this song. Um, written by Mutt Lang, Stephen Clark, Pete Willis, Rick Savage, and Joe Elliott. Um, Phil Collin is just on backing vocals on this. So this is the first one where he's just on backing vocals and Steve Clark does the solo on this. And the one thing I want to do mention about, he does do the solo on it. Um, it's a very melodic solo. You can hum it, you can hear it and you can think about this song, you know, it, you can hum it in right now in your head. Um, you know, again, another entry uh, intro kind of thing he's doing with the wind gushing in. And here's a thing, maybe, um, foreshadowing what's going to happen later on this evening. Uh, is this a power ballad? Right. You know, um, the video is from a Christmas special done in December of 83. It's edited down. It's not the full song from something called like supersonic. No, not JJ fad. Supersonic. 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 Yeah. Um, <laughs> JJ fad. Um, and actually Steve Clark does the solo in the video. And this is a kind of a weird one. Cause if you saw the video, Sonny, you, you, you see like Rick Savage is doing the gene style, like a bass playing. Did you notice that he never does that anything else, but in this one, he's doing like that. Oh, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> playing like a cello bass, upright bass. Like, yep, yep. I love that. Do 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 do. Like, <laughs> and I was, and I went biddly biddly biddly. <laughs> Tommy knows exactly what I'm talking about. That fucking Dana Carvey TV show where Dana Carvey made the made fun of the Beatles. <laughs> it's just legendary. And the next us. thing you know, I went boodly badly bibbly. You know, people want to know about yesterday. It's no mystery, really. You know, I was just doing my job, you know, plunking on the plunker like that, you know. I was strumming a little skiddly widdly, feeling a little bit flu flu inside, you know, rumbly mumbly down in there. I had a big of a knocker block. I started with the flub dub dub and a tinker to wink woo woo and tip tap as if he's having sangs on, you know. And there you have it, yesterday. <laughs> but you, do you notice he does the Gene Simmons video thing? It just, <laughs> I just, I just found it very, very quirky. Um, they so then the video stops where that extended guitar part comes in towards the end, that bridge. Um, and if you watch the video as well, they also had those like alive two type staircases. If yeah. you notice the video, and it's kind of like up in the air. So I'm waiting for one of them to fall off that thing and break their fucking neck. And I fell down the stairs, and my shoes fell off. And then the tour gets canceled, and they never get as big. But then it comes down in the middle of the video, just like a, you know, just like a Kiss uh, concert would. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just found the song is it's just another great, great vocals, harmonies. Um, just just fits the album well And you're right Tom It does fit a pattern Where just whoever picked the tracks And how they go on this album Did an excellent job yep. um, And it continues on the next song So let's hear the next one Let's rock the wall! 
So if you watch a lot of Joe Elliott interviews or listen to a lot of stuff about Joe Elliott, he can't shut up about Mata Hoople. I don't know why. I've yeah. never been a yeah. big Mata Hoople guy, right? But he's an Ian Hunter fan, obviously. And people think this song's about that, and it's really got nothing to do with that. It's more about the deer hunter. Even Joe Elliott said so. Yep. And uh, I get it. Not every song can be about, you know, sucking fucking drugs, women, Jack Daniels. Like, you got to write other stuff. And he didn't want to write something that was about what was happening right then and there because the Falkland Island thing was happening at that point. And he didn't want to, like, cash in on stuff that was happening at that point. So it's supposed to be more about kind of like the deer hunter Vietnam thing. It, it's an okay song to me. I think the intro's a bit over the top. The first 80 seconds can just go the hell away. And then that minute and a half, minute 45 of that guitar solo that drags on forever. Like, you could have cut this thing to, like, a four-minute song and I would have been a happy guy. Yeah, it, it's a good song if you it's it's six minutes and 17 seconds long there's no excuse for it to be that long um it's a good song i had this is the first song on the album where i'm gonna be a little nitpicky and my issue is the chorus way too thick on the keyboards the keyboards are 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 over the top when you hear when they're when they're screaming you know die hard the hunter if you listen to it you can hear that layered keyboard over the vocals to the point where it kind of pulls you away from like the song, the fact that the song kicks ass. Um, if you, if, if you're, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, listen to it. You can really hear it. Um, it's a great song. It's on pyromania. Of course it's a great song, but the song could have been cut a little bit at the end and a little bit at the beginning. Um, but, but I, I do like the song. It's a, like Sonny said, it's a different topic. You know, it's not about love and chicks and, you know, rocking it out. It's, it's an interesting song. I think there's a reason why it's the last song on side one. If you're talking cassette or vinyl, um, because it, it's definitely not the best song on side one, um, but it, it's it's a good song for me. Uh, written by Mutt Lang, Stephen Clark, Rick Savage, Joe Elliott. Steve Clark does the solo on this. Again, another long intro, the helicopter and everything builds up. I I, I disagree with both of you. I think this is a gem. Gem. Oh, love it. Yeah. Love it. I love Wait the fucking. we get to the rankings. Yeah. I love the chorus. I love the harmonies. Uh you can't do that. And then, oh no, you can't do that. Oh, that's just fantastic. Um, it's a little bit about like, I think first blood came out around that time too. Yep. And a little bit about that, the guy that just can't get over the war. Yep. And it seemed like that's a little bit a part of this. There's a funny part to this that I, I as a kid, I, I, I think I told you about this before, Tom, I love this song, but sometimes Joe Elliott, maybe it's the accent. I can't pick up a lot of his words. So just, you know, knowing this album and then going through it, reviewing it for our episode today, there are a lot of lyrics that I'm like, that's what he said. Mm -hmm. I, I had no idea. And this is a, like, you know, all time favorite for me. So <laughs> I know he didn't say this, but I always thought he is the shadow that's following you. I always thought growing up that he is the shadow. I'm going to fight on you. <laughs> like with the boss with a Boston accent that fought on you. Not like you, the rest of the country says fart. We nice. thought I thought it was fought on you. Nice. And I used to be like, what the fuck is that? Everybody, he's saying fart. Oh, um poor Zeus. And then there's and there's got these Star Wars laser effects. Do do. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to be because I don't know any gunshot that sounds like that. Um, it's the longest song on the album. 
It's got a long solo, goes into a bridge. It's very melodic, then back into the riff. It sounds almost like a little Switch 625 yeah. in the middle there, like that solo from High and Dry. Yep. Um, I absolutely love this song. The chorus gets me. It, it hooks me in. I didn't pick up on the, the keyboards, Tom. I'm going to go back and listen to what you're saying. I love the riff. I love the vocals on this. Joe Elliott hits it out of the park. Fan-fucking-tastic. And I know I said earlier that there aren't no really deep cuts. I don't consider any of these songs on this album deep cuts. But for me, if you would say it's a deep cut, great. But I would think it's one of their best non-single songs on this album. And that's where I stand. Um, let's uh, flip the record over or the cassette over. Let's uh, let's play a song by Mr. T- Tip. Mr. Uh, 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 Tipton. want to hate this song but i can't i said i i i i want the knife as the stupidest fucking chorus uh uh ever like i just i really don't want to like this song but for whatever reason i cannot not like it it is a really good song that's the chorus is stupid. I'm sorry. Uh, even when I listened to it the other day, I'm just like, really? If I came into a songwriting session today and said, hey, I got a chorus, la, 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 lick it up. Like, uh, <laughs> like people go nuts, right? Like, I just, I'm just, wow. You mean, you mean um, like, I just want to, whatever. F- I just want to f- forget f- you. F- f- I want to <laughs> forget you. Go ahead. <laughs> um, the video is interesting, baby, because first of all, I didn't know that the lady playing the harp was like Billy Idol's girlfriend at the time. I had no idea. Um, so that, that's interesting. Uh, you know, there's women all over them, which is very eighties. Uh, you know, there's five looking guys. Everybody's got their arms and legs still. Is that too soon? I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. I know I'm an ass. I know oh I'm an ass. God. What do you want? Um, <laughs> I just got two guys shaking what their heads. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, 
Go ahead. <laughs> Get yourself together, man. God. Um, I don't know why they're coming out of a hole. I don't get the whole Dungeons and Dragons thing. I guess I don't get the video really, <laughs> but, uh, um, Joe gets a lot of screen time and it's a good song. I just, I want to hate it, but I cannot. Why do you want to hate it? It's the f- song is spectacular. By the way, they're real oh. and they're spectacular. <laughs> Oh, and the video adds to the, it, the, the video is ridiculous, but it's, it's Def Leppard. It's 1983. It's MTV. Why do you want to hate it? Why? Cause of the chorus. Cause he's like, cause it's like fa fa fooey from Howard Stern. It's like, fa fa fooey, fa fa fooey. You know, it's like baba booey, fa fa fooey. <laughs> That's exactly it. No, I mean, what are you going to say? It's, it, 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 it deserved to be a single. It deserved to be a hit. It deserved to be a video that was played endlessly. It's a, it's a fucking great song. There's a reason it's the lead single, the lead track off of side two, um, a standout track for sure. Like, like, uh, Sonny said, it was interesting to find out that with Billy Idol's girlfriend playing the harp with her eyes closed and that, um, Everybody remembers this video. You know, there's another song that we're going to get to with an even more iconic video, but Foolin' for me is obviously a standout track on this album. Uh, Foolin' by Mutt Lang, Steve Clark, Joe Elliott. Uh, Phil Collins jumps back in. So the previous two songs, Steve Clark was the lead guitarist. Phil Collins jumps back in. He's the lead guitarist on this one. This song went to number 28, another buildup. Um, for me, when we, let's get into the video Everyone, we've talked, both of you guys talked about Billy Idol's girlfriend and the joke, apparently the band said, yep. was because the lady had no eyes in the video. And then they joked, ha ha, indeed, a face without eyes. Like, whatever. Making fun of the stupid eyes without a face song that Billy Idol was doing. Yep. Ha 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 ha. Anyways, um, the big thing that got me that was iconic and tell me if this got you when you were younger. I'm 10 years old at this time. That I thought it was like the best fucking coolest thing is Steve Clark playing his acoustic guitar, taking the guitar, throwing it aside. All of a sudden he gets the Gibson out. Yep. Oh man, that was so cool back then. <clears throat> I thought it was like the coolest image. Um, cheesy, cheesy graphics. I don't know. Joe Elliott then is fucking tennis gear. Whatever the fuck he was wearing in that video with the white pants and the white wife beater that he was kind of wearing he's like going through like a laser tag room choom, choom, whatever <laughs> he was walking through there yep. um and then there's like that trap door part at the end where they all kind of pop up that is the stupidest looking thing they all pop up and their arms are right by their side it looks so stupid <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're stupid yeah <laughs> Hey, it was 83. I know. It's just like, I just totally picture Steve Clark. Just, it looked like a fucking school photograph. <laughs> like everyone's like, put your arms together and stand next to each other. Uh, it's just, you know, that imagery was just kind of. And the other thing I would notice is, and it was a running trend in these videos. And I forget about the hysteria videos. But do you notice that every fucking video, like there's always a close up of the band's face, Rick Savage looks like he's going to fucking blow the microphone. Oh yeah. Every <clears throat> picture of him is like his mouth is like, like he's literally opened up and like, he's going to suck down the fucking microphone. 
I don't know who's like, hey, take this unflattering shot of the bass player like blowing the microphone. And then there'll be the close-up of again wearing his fucking Larry Bird fucking Union Jack shorts. <laughs> Rick Allen there. Um, you know, and then it just and apparently Joe Al- uh, Joel Elliott burned his hands. You know the part where he's tied down? Yeah. Yeah, he burned his hands when like like the graphics are supposed to blow up the thing that's holding his hands down. Yep. It was a little fire. I guess he burned himself. Like by like the burn man. It's burn Cr- man? Crystal. Are you the burn man? Yes. Um, cowbell again. Oh yeah, the vocals, the harmonies again, and just another build up to that real awesome flashy solo, and then boom, right back into the song. Just enough to make you be like, "That's awesome." But Sonny is absolutely right. This isn't any fucking boys are gonna rock guitar solo in the middle of this song, right? It's just right. this is what works, and it's a great. Formula Phil on his one knee. I used to thought that was like the like the coolest rock pose. Him on the knee and leg spread, just playing that type of guitar and just rocking out. Um, you know, it's just it's it's amazing. The twin guitars, Rick and the Union Jack, and just Joe Elliott screaming his lungs out. Quintessential image. Um, and it just continued on the song. Great, great song. So that's fooling. Uh, I think we know the next song, right? I have never played a record backwards. I don't know if I need to know Brezhnev has herpes. Like, I don't care. <laughs> totally, this is in the middle of it. Like, I don't know why fans did that at all. I, I just don't get it. I think it's a great story with that whole Gunter Gleiben, Gleiben, Globen, 
and, you know, just, uh, but being stupid after, you know, saying one, two, three, four, probably 500 times. So somebody can get in tune or whatever. I think that's a great story, but that whole, the cold war, fuck the Russians backward stuff. I, I don't, I don't understand all that. I don't get it. I will say the lyrics are pretty ridiculous now that I read them. Right. I, the song works. And I think it's a great anthemic song. There's no doubt about it. I don't understand the whole sword and stone move thing. I don't know why the sword's so big and then it turns into Phil's guitar. <laughs> I don't I don't understand all that shit. I, I don't I don't know who the hell came up with that shit. I don't know if I needed to know Phil's, you know, ass shakes when they turn them around. I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Like I don't under what's that got to do with Have you ever seen their have Maybe you ever seen their concerts? Sonny, have you ever seen their concerts in the eighties? Oh. They knew exactly what they were doing. <laughs> Um, all that being said, sing along stadium anthem, no doubt. You can feel a hundred thousand people at a soccer stadium singing this and have no issue. Um, it is one of the rock anthems of my lifetime, really. And it deserved to be top 20 on the billboard charts. No doubt about it. Yeah. The song is just killer. Like Sonny said, you know, the video, <clears throat> another iconic video. I think this is a little bit more iconic than Foolin'. Maybe not quite as iconic as Photograph, <clears throat> but the um, the imagery in the video, the song is just so goddamn catchy. It's bordering on a dance track when the when the when the verses kick in with that that beat, that bass line. Um, you know, at the, as the song's melody starts out, Joe Elliott says, "All right, I've got something to say. It's better to burn out than to fade away." <clears throat> kind of referencing Neil Young's "Hey Hey," you know that song. Um, the song is, it, it's, you know, Sonny already covered, you know, some of the backwards stuff, you know, the fuck the Russians, Brezhnev's got herpes. There's another report. There's another report that you can, that Joe Elliott says, suck it also in there. I have no idea what was going on with that. Um, <clears throat> but the song, one, one of the catchiest choruses to ever be laid down in the eighties, um, just a, a killer song. And anybody that loves this album, loves the video, you know, um, it, it's, it, it, it was a hit and a standout and a memorable song for a reason. Um, just a, a classic for sure. Written by Mutt Lang, Steve Clark, Joe Elliott, Phil Collin, lead guitar went to number 19. Uh, that Gunten Glieben, Glauten Globen is so iconic now. Yep. It's like becoming like a, like kind of like a joke. I remember everybody not knowing there's no internet <clears> then. <throat> what the fuck does that mean? What is that? Who's saying it? And obviously it was Mutt Lang saying it, but it's just silliness, just gibberish. Uh, I did not know about the whole Russian thing about Brezhnev, but uh, I do know that he's not a very attractive man, according to Seinfeld in the outing episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Yep. Who do you think is the most unattractive world leader? Living or all time? All time. Well, if it's all time, then there's no contest. It begins and ends with Brezhnev. <laughs> right. Um, the famous line of it's better to burn out than fade away. That's in Kurt Cobain's suicide note. Yep. And he talks about, you know, probably being more of a Steve Clark type of musician. And, you know, he would say that I'm not Freddie Mercury. I don't love the stage. That I think this is what he's talking about. There's a lot of that synth drums kind of a thing on this stuff that very I don't know much. which is like this, like, or the, or it sounded very much like the stroke by Billy Squire. Like that. I couldn't describe it. So I asked our Paisan friend, uh, Joe Cassada, uh, Joey Casada.
uh, about it. Like, what is that sound? You know, he gave me a fucking drummer's thing. I'm like, fuck, I can't even use whatever he's saying on me. I have no idea what he's talking about. Um, I'm just trying to be like, what? that's got to be synth, right? That is not a normal, natural, hitting the drum kind of noise. Uh, that's got to be some sort of it's engineering. An ele- or- it, it, well, it's, a, it's an electronic snare. Mutt Lang was having yeah. Rick Allen use that a lot, but it's really pronounced in this song. Yeah, absolutely, right? Yeah. And um, <clears throat> the chorus is off the charts again. The vocal harmonies are just off the chart. Um, you know, and then the video again is just what the fuck is with that sword that's like bigger well, than two of them combined. He looks so silly, and he's like silly, silly, like swaying one side to the other. And like, this is when like that Rock Me Tonight video got shit. That's not that far removed from Rock Me Tonight. Oh, yes, nothing's worse than Rock Me oh, Tonight. That's not that far. I mean, he's swaying oh. to this. Ooh, with that big ass sword. I mean, I'm just saying. No, it's, I know. It's kind of bad. Um, and then the, the the whole monks in the videos giggling and the yep. the Sarah Palin, you betcha, uh, in the middle of uh, betcha in in the middle of this, and then an awesome you know flashy solo again by Phil Collins, and he's got the '80s whammy bar going and stuff. But the big thing for me about this song, I had this, and I don't know if you guys had this. I had a music teacher. I was in junior high. Pyromania had already been out for a couple years. Everybody had to bring one song to our mu- classical music course. He made everybody bring a record to play. I brought a cassette and I brought Rock of Ages to play. <laughs> this guy, Mr. Stevens, I don't know anybody who went to Arlington High School, uh, Arlington Junior High, would play a song from everybody. I-, I was like, I remember like, what am I going to play that's not going to be like, I'm going to get humiliated, or it's not going to be like, ew, you like this? And I brought in Rock of Ages. Like, I thought that was like the coolest down the mo- road song that I could bring in. And I remember him listening to it and looking at it and just being like, what the fuck is glooping <laughs> when they started? I started yeah. cringing. Some guy, my brother tells me the story of the same fucking music teacher. One time, the guy came in when he had him, and a kid came in. This is classical music teacher. Put on <laughs> Judas Priest's Breaking the Law. Oh, and no. he's like, breaking the law, breaking the law. He took the fucking record off and threw it, flung it out the window. And nice. Said, this is of all my years teaching this, this is the worst song I've ever had to play from all my students. <laughs> oh, God. Fucking breaking the law. So I knew that story. So I was like, oh, fuck, what is he going to do to this? And he, he just let it play. But this one has a special memory for me. The video, the song. The way it just, you know, the, the classic, you know, synth drum there and the everybody clapping along the 80s thing, clapping the hands and just the bass and the drum and the singer going awesome, awesome job. Um, you ready to go next? Well, one more, one more last little tidbit. So originally Rock of Ages, it was a song without a chorus. <clears throat> and oh, yeah, yep, day, yep. And, and one day during recording, for some reason, <laughs> Joe Elliott spotted an open hymn, hymn, hymnal book, a church book laying on an organ. And right there in front of him was an old church hymn called Rock of Ages. And he started singing like Rock of Ages, like kind of humming that over the over the melody. And Mutt Lang was like, perfect. Go with it. That's going to be the that's going to be the song. That's going to be the chorus. So another another thing where we think these guys are geniuses and half the time they just fall into shit and it ends up being one of the biggest songs of the decade. <laughs> oh, it's a good call, though. Sometimes you hear it. The simplest of things makes the most brilliance. That's um, right. Ready to go on to the next one? Let's go. Last three songs. Start off with this one. 
this is the other song for me that kind of gets lost in the album, right? Like if this song is on Euphoria or fucking Slang or X or some of these albums came out later in life for Def Leppard, these would this would song would have been the single, right? Because those albums suck and <laughs> contrast, ton of dynamics. And it's got everything you would want in a Def Leppard song. The problem is it's not photographed and it wasn't released as a single, right? And at some point you got to stop releasing singles. Now, not every uh, act, I guess, followed that because there was some acts later on that released seven or eight singles off the same album. But I guess you can't do that in 1985. Uh, it's a great song. I wish it would have, what I would have done with this one and Stage Fright is maybe make a bonus tracks on Hysteria and it would have done even better. Like the, you, it needed another chance, uh, but it's a great song. It's actually one of my favorites on the album. Yeah, I agree with Sonny. Another song that that flies under the radar. I know, I I know what Zeus said earlier that nothing flies under the radar. But in terms of singles and videos and songs that were released, this is a standout. I, I think even more so than Stage Fright. Um, huge, huge song. Um, and it's funny because this song gets uh, oddly a, a considerable amount of play on satellite radio. Um, on some of the rock channels and <clears throat> which I think is great, but it's just kind of weird because it was, it was never really a single. You would think that, that the, that satellite radio would kind of pile on with the photograph and fooling and rock of ages, but coming under fire and even die hard, the hunter, um, they get a lot of play on satellite radio, which is nice to see because coming under fire is a spectacular song. Yeah. Written by Mutt Lane, Steve Clark. Um, I almost said Bruce Willis, Steve <laughs> Willis <laughs> and Joe Elliott. Maybe you were thinking of Bruce Willis. Cause I just said die hard. The hunter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yippee guy motherfucker. Um, Steve Clark did the solo on this one. Um, the harmonies are off the charts. I used to always, I didn't know what that lyric was coming like a thunder because i can't tell joe elliott i used to think he was saying looking like thunder something like that but i never understood it i i can't say enough i can't describe it it's a way a song makes you feel i think this song is brilliant i i can't believe that it wasn't a single uh i'm i am impressed and i do like the fact that it does go on and gets played on the radio and rock stations would always play this song as a favorite from this album that wasn't a single and maybe people are like oh you like photograph yeah it's cool to not like those hit song and throw this one out but this one is just i again i can't explain it it's just a song the way it makes you feel the lyrics, the catchiness of it, the vocals are off the charts, the chorus, guitar solo as usual. Unbelievable song. Unbelievable song. Anybody else want to add anything? We're going to the next. Let's move on. Let's go.
So I have a theory about this song. I will tell you that it's completely made up. So when you start getting emails about that, can't be right. <laughs> My guess is this song was called Shock Me. But since they didn't have a make me feel better, put on your black leather, you know, we can come together. Somebody said, you can't have a song called Shock Me. Like that, that's not going to work. Like Kiss already did that. So then they add on this chorus that honestly does not transition well to the song. It just does not. So the first time you hear it through, it's like, okay, that didn't transition very well. Then you listen to it the second time. They try to transition it differently. It didn't work again. So I don't, the song, I don't know if it's an Adam and Eve like theme song. <laughs> I have no idea if they're trying to make a porno here. I don't know what they're doing here. Okay. But the chorus does not work for me because it, it seems like it's forced almost like it was written last minute and and we got the exclamation point again i don't know it's action not words i, I don't know why but uh this song's meant to me look it's it's pyromania <clears throat> so i'm not gonna 100 agree with Sonny because it's pyromania it's def leopard there's a reason why this is the second to last song on the album um, something has to be considered a weaker track. Not everything's going to be the same. This is a weaker track. That being said, I'll listen to it because you're never going to hear this anywhere else unless you manually try to play this song on the disc, you know, you're streaming or whatever, because the radio is never going to play this. Um, but it is, it's, it's definitely not top tier and it's kind of difficult to have, you know, an album where every song is photograph or rock of ages, but I will listen to it. But like I said, there's a reason why it's the second to last song on the album um i am the playing the role of sunny poony yeah zeus to this week um i absolutely <laughs> love this song love, oh, boy. <laughs> love it i can't get enough now i know how you guys feel <laughs> yeah um you know you're you're right shock me shock me and again i didn't really realize it until i you know, not this time, but recently when I got back into the album, that he, how much of the shock me that he is saying in the in the lyrics, and I just love you know pretty straightforward. Let let me hey let me uh let, let's do a little bit of filming of uh, us doing a little bit of that uh fucking. Yeah, maybe me and you we could uh we could do some of that fucking. <laughs> um, and it, it's guitar, the chorus. I love it. I love the harmonies. Uh, I love the lyrics, just, just the right amount, like get to that point where it almost kiss like, but no, they stare it back. It's just, you know, I, I just love it. I just love the shock me, shock me. Oh, just good. Just perfect. And, uh, it's catchy as fuck. And it's one of those things that it didn't, I, it wasn't a favorite track and it was probably one of my least favorite tracks on the album growing up. As I got older in the past few years, when I got, you know, I would listen to this and stuff. There's something that caught me. And that happens from time to time where you have an album that you love. There's a track all of a sudden, like you kind of overlooked. And then you're like, maybe it was fresh tendrils to Tommy last week. Yep. Like, you're like, holy fuck, this song. Like, I, you know what? I don't want to listen to this. I want to listen to this on my own, not studying it for the episode. But I want to listen to it. It just, it drew me in. Uh, I love the song. Always have kind of liked it and then fell in love with it the past couple years. Um, I won't drag this on. I'm not sure if I told you it was Mutt Lange and Steve Clark and Joe Elliott and Clark did the solo. Uh, ready to hit the last one? Let's go.
So this song, Billy's Got a Gun, feels like a sister song to Too Late for Love almost for me, right? It's kind of got the same feeling to it. It's honestly not as good, at least to me. It doesn't matter what these songs are. We talked about it before. Like this, These backing vocals, it's almost like they could have sold the harmonizer, like make it. Oh, well, they basically did because Shania Twain's got it all over those two albums. It's the same damn backing <laughs> vocals, yes! basically. Because <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I remember liking those two albums. Like, man, this sounds like Def Leppard's doing the backing vocals here. Um, so it doesn't matter what song it is. They fit it in. <clears throat> you know, the whole, the songs about, you know, this whole subway guy fell into the wrong people, blah, blah. We've heard songs like that before. The song's fine. And I was ranking the songs because we're going to talk about a ranking later. Right, and then I throw the the ranking and the pieces of paper on my chair because I think I'm done. And then the last forty seconds came and wasted my life. So I went and grabbed the rankings and dropped this song another notch <laughs> because that last forty seconds is a waste of fucking time. So there you go, Sonny. <clears throat> I agree with almost everything you said on that. Why did you waste my time? Was it like, did they let one of their kids play with like the little drum machine? Like I don't understand what you're doing here. The song is okay. To me, I consider it almost a sister song to Die Hard the Hunter in terms of like story wise. Like, you know, we talked about, you know, the deer hunter, first blood. Now you got to, you know, Billy's got a gun. Is it, you know, the, I, I kind of look at it like, like it's a continuation of the story. Um, it's a little melodramatic for a Def Leppard song. Um, I like it, you know, tons of keyboards again, you know, the keyboards are just off the rails on this again. Um, but like, like I, like we were talking about with action, not words, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when, when, when you look at like, uh, you know, somebody going to medical school, okay. The class of 2020, everybody's going to graduate with their medical degree. Somebody's got to finish last in that class. Right. But there's still a doctor. There's still a doctor. So even the worst song on pyromania is still a song on pyromania. There are no losers anymore. Everyone's a winner. No matter what the game or sport or competition, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Everybody gets a trophy. No one is a loser. No child these days ever gets to hear those all-important character-building words. You lost, Bobby. You lost. You're a loser, Bobby. They miss out on that. You know what they tell a kid who lost these days? You were the last winner. So you're just talking about an excellent collection of songs, but something needs to be not the greatest. And I think Billy's Got a Gun, it's not a go-to song for me. I like it, but kind of like I said, there's a reason Action Not Words is the second to last song. There's a reason Billy's Got a Gun is the last song. Uh, Billy's Got a Gun by Mutt Lang, uh, Steve Clark, Rick Savage, Bruce, uh, Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Willis. Joe Elliott, Steve Clark did the solo. I like the song. Like I said, there's nothing I don't like. I really like the song. Chorus is fantastic. Um, I don't know what that skipping record is for the last 30 seconds. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, no, like just number nine. No, like everyone just tries to outsmart themselves with this nonsense. Yep. Uh, the, the thing that I want to ask Tom is I, I'm not hearing what you're hearing when you say, the keyboards over top. This isn't my way by Kiss. No, 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 no. no. Like, That's a fucking keyboard. But you're saying the keyboards are so over the top. I'm like, I'm not hearing it though. There are. So certain, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. There are certain sections of the song where the keyboards are so prominent that it's not like my way where there's keyboards going throughout the entire song. There are sections we can hear the rolling keyboards, and it's like, wait a minute. Well, that, this song was kicking ass until you threw that in there. Listen to it again. You'll hear it. You'll right. hear it. 
right. It's just um, Tom, it's Thomas Dolby kicking the shit out of the song. <laughs> Science. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, it, it's, I think another good, there's nothing like ridiculously, ridiculously bad lyrics on this album. Some are better no. than others. Some are simple, but they're pretty decent. There's nothing, there's no fucking Bob Dylan here on these, on this album, but it's a good <laughs> rock album with lyrics wise. Um, you're right. I, again, I don't, I would think this is more of a deep cut. If there are any on it, but it's pyromania. Billy's got a gun ends the album and ends the uh, songs for us to review overall thoughts before we start ranking the songs. Overall thoughts for me. It's a great album. The, the good stuff is classic, huge hits, uh, Def Leppard, you know, this puts them into the stratosphere, into the next album. Uh, there's no, uh, there's no reason why somebody would not own this album. And there's no reason not to listen to the album. There's, you know, it's like Tommy said, there's no super bad songs on this. There's just songs I, I won't listen to, but none of these are half or like suicide or none of that shit. I mean, it's better than that stuff. Oh, still taking shots. Ooh, Ooh, God. Oh, I'm still getting shaken. What are you doing over there? Um, you, no, you, okay. you, those effects are a little bit too, <laughs> sir. What, sir, what are you doing? Yeah, we're uh, getting to the rock hard segment. I'm getting ready. Oh, geez. okay. God. I think we were talking so, about the pussycat dolls too much. Sonny is dying. Go so, ahead, Tom. So photograph for me, I, I, like I say, other than Kiss, I would probably say this is probably my favorite album of all time in terms of listening to something for the longest. I've been listening to this since I was 10, since it came out. Um, I will say this, though, and this might sound kind of counterintuitive. I think High and Dry kicks more ass than pyromania I, I think i think most people would agree with that i think it's a more hard rock album um and i love high and dry i would put it right up there with pyromania but i think the pop sensibilities and like Sonny has hinted at this before too the nostalgia fact of pyromania the music that you grew up with the music that you attach your childhood and the younger part of your life to sticks with you so there's a there's nostalgia pouring all over this album for me and i think that's why I, I it's i hold it closer to me than i do high and dry the song kicks ass but high and dry just rips i know we're not talking about high and dry right now but pyromania for me very few albums if any will will top this uh, for me in terms of you know that rock music era yeah I, i'll say the same thing tom uh probably the most played album i've ever owned i destroyed that cassette um i've listened to this album gazillion times i love it all the way through i never skip it when i play it um i'm not sure if i like it i mean that's how much i love def leppard is if i like it as I, i'm not sure if i like high and dry or pyromania more i have more of an affinity because high and dry is not as popular as pyromania so i tend to be thinking oh i'm cooler because i like that but you know it could go either way they're both just even hysteria off the charts for me um i I can't wait to get to the ratings. I've said enough. It's the blueprint for my musical taste the rest of my life. Um, Bingo. So, and that nostalgia is, I'm not sure we can do anything close to the nostalgia of Pyromania for me, for any album coming up. Um, Perfectly so said. I think I haven't gone first with songs yet. Okay. Okay. So why don't I go first? Who wants to go second? I'll go second. Sonny, you're last. Yeah, so sunny, sunny, to... sunny, bad list poony. Is <laughs> yeah, last. I might get it this time, Tom. Um, my Our list, time. 
And again, I'm going to start off. This is my number 10. Like if we never put numbers to these songs. So I don't think I would put anything under like if I did one through 10, I don't think I would put anything under seven on this. Oh, me neither. And I would probably put most of these songs eight or nine in a couple tens. So that's where I'm at on this. Sunny. Sonny's making a face. So um, at number 10, which would probably be a number three or four and anywhere else, uh, I'm going to put Stage Fright. <gasps> oh, God. He's starting off. He is playing the role of Sonny Bad List I, I told you. God. But you heard how I prefaced everything, know, right? But go ahead. Number 10 for me is Billy's Got a Gun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still getting over the stage fright. Okay. Number 10 for me is Billy's Got a Gun. Number nine for me, Billy's Got a Gun. Number nine for me is Action, Not Words. Uh, Number nine for me is Action, Not Words. Yeah, you awake over there? Uh, Yeah, I'm awake. All right. Number eight for me, Too Late for Love. What is going on here? (laughs) Just hang up on him now on purpose. Oh, boy. All right. Number eight for me is Rock Rock Till You Drop. Eight for me is Die Hard the Hunter. Number seven for me, Foolin'. (laughs) Oh, my God. I have to laugh because I'll cry if I don't. Uh, Number seven for me is Die Hard the Hunter. And seven for me is Rock Rock Till You Drop. Oh, wait. Rock Rock. Till you drop. That's number six for me. Okay. Number six for me is Rock of Ages. Wow. Okay. Six for me is Foolin. Six. Number five for me, Photograph. All right. See you later, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Oh, people already stopped listening. Don't worry. That's true. Number five for me is Too Late for Love. Number five for me is Coming Under Fire. All right. Number four for me. Die Hard the Hunter. Four for me, Stage Fright. (laughs) (laughs) Four for me is Too Late for Love. Three for me, Rock of Ages. Three for me, Coming Under Fire. Three for me is Rock of Ages. (laughs) This is where I'm going to (laughs) fucking... Number two for me... Action, not words. All right. Now, this is like a parody account right now. <laughs> How? How? This is worth. Okay. Yeah. Two for me is fooling. Two for me is stage fright. <laughs> <laughs> Number one for me, coming under fire. Ooh, all right. You redeemed yourself with that. Number one for me, photograph, no doubt. And number. Number one for me is photograph, no doubt. Oh my goodness. I can't believe I'm more in line with Sonny than it's so than what does that tell you. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. Wow. All right. Uh, so the top three, number three was Rock of Ages. Two was coming under fire. One was photograph. And then, you know, if we didn't have Zeus, we'd have a better list. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't go along with the cult. <laughs> oh, look at me. I'm different. I have action, not words. Number two. <laughs> so alternative. I, I'm so crazy. I like this album before anybody else did. <laughs> I like On Through the Night better than all these albums. I'm cooler than you. Um, all right, boys. Yeah. So I already have mine picked. We always do album covers and we do albums themselves. So what is, and let's stay in the same order. 
I put OU812. Okay, so wait a minute. OU812, Pyromania, Super Unknown, Slide It In, Appetite for Destruction. Those are the five albums we reviewed. You just, said, far- Pyro- you just said, oh, Pyromania. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Pyromania, Super Unknown, OU812, Slide It In, Appetite for Destruction. Okay. As far as album covers go, my fifth best on that is OU812. Yep. Okay. Tom. And two. Oh, Sonny. But Tom? Uh, yeah, my, me too. All right. So my fourth best is Super Unknown. Tom? Me too. Me three. Wow. Let's stop and end there. We'll never be like this again. What is happening? Um, number three for me is Pyromania. Uh, number three for me is uh, Slide It In. Wow. Number three, for, number three for me is Appetite. Oh, number three is Appetite? Yikes. Number two for me is Slide It In. Number two for me is Pyromania. Number two for me is Pyromania. Number one is Appetite. Me too. I I still got slided in. Okay. I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, nope, you know, not at it, all. It, it's an awesome album cover for sure. No doubt. Now uh, the rankings, this is when it gets tough for the actual album. Number five for me, as far as what is your favorite and what's the best album of those five pyromania super unknown oh eight one two slide it in appetite number five for me and i like the album but number five easily ou812 me too number five easily for me it could be number 18 super unknown <laughs> <laughs> That's never, that's never not going to be the last album for Sonny. Yep. Um, number four for me, and this is uh, probably one of my favorite albums, Slide It In. Yeah, I'm trying to, so we get Slide It In, Pyromania, Appetite. All right, we already have. Super Unknown. Super Unknown. All right, so four. Um, yeah, I think I had, yeah, I Slide It In, four. Four for me is OU812. Three for me, Super Unknown. Me also, Super Unknown, three. Three for me is Pyromania. Two for me, Appetite. That's two. You know, I I was I wished the day never came where somebody asked me to rank which one is better, Pyromania or Appetite for Destruction, because it's like picking. Which you one's know, your favorite? Not better. I know. What's your I, it, this is. I, I, I'm going to go, I mean, it's like 1A. I can't, I can't pick them because it's two of the greatest albums of all time, but something needs to be one, something needs to be two. I'm going to have to put Appetite at number two. And I have Appetite at number two. Okay. Number one, and I, and again, it's close, but not really for me. It's pyromania. I think it's closer for me than it is for you. I don't think I don't think in these album rankings anything will ever get closer than pyromanian appetite for me. I mean, there's like a sliver separating the two of them. One one for me is still slide it in because slide it in and appetite for me are desert island and pyromania is not. Yeah. I agree. It, this 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 list is going to get tougher for us because we're going to stop picking albums that are near and dear to us. So the, the rankings are going to be tough. But you're right. I mean, I have slide it in fourth. And that's one of my favorite albums of all time. So it's 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 a tough one for sure, yeah. So I believe, Tommy, you're next. We don't know what it is, but yep. you're next with the next bonus album. So it'll be interesting to see what he picks. Um, You know, at this time, somebody gets rock hard. Is it all three of us? I don't know. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll go first. I'll go first. Oh, Sonny. Oh, right, no, Sonny. go first. Go first, Tommy. No, no, no. You go. Okay. You go. You go. All right. So um, this time around, I'm going to go with uh, something, uh, a, a TV show or a series, I should say. I know everybody's everybody's looking for stuff to watch. 
So I stumbled on this on Netflix. <clears throat> it was originally on the Paramount Network, and Netflix picked it up. It's a six-part miniseries. Um, it's not a documentary. It's got actors. It's Hollywood-made. And it's Waco. Six episodes about the Waco siege. It is unfucking believable television. The story is, I mean, everybody who's our age, you know the story of Waco. You you were, we, we saw it on TV. We lived through it. Um, it is amazingly made. Um, the actor they got played, David Koresh, if anybody's a fan of the TV show Friday Night Lights, which is one of the greatest TV shows ever made, the kid who played Riggins in Friday Night Light plays David Koresh. He's unbelievable. Um, okay. The, the story, it, you know, it starts off with Ruby Ridge, if anybody's familiar with that and how it led to uh, Waco, the failures of the federal government. It's just, it's, it's riveting. Six episodes. I can't, st- I can't recommend that enough on Netflix. Waco. Wow. Okay. Sunny. Yeah. I'm more of a, uh, the documentaries, like if they're music, I'll watch them. If it's, uh, like about a brand name, like McMillions. I'm watching that right now. That kind of thing. Stuff like Chernobyl and Waco. That stuff scares me. It's a little too real. Yeah. So, like, I've not watched any of the nine one, uh, the uh, the nine eleven movies, the flight, whatever ninety three it was. Well, I haven't watched any of those movies because it's a little too real for me. So I usually either go to sitcoms or like stuff that's on um, network TV. And I came across this show called Good Girls about uh, it's on its, it's going it's on its third season right now. And it's basically about three uh, suburban women in Michigan that are sick of life being tough on them. So they decide to rob a supermarket. And because <laughs> it was easy, because it was easy, they start doing other things and doing other things. And then they end up working for this like drug kingpin. It's got a bunch of actors that nobody really knows to be honest with you none of these guys are like mainstream christina hendricks may whitman reno wilson manny montana like people don't know these people they're all good actors though and uh, the reason i wanted to recommend it is there's one thing if you get somebody like me because i'm always looking for something like this but it got my 17 year old girl and she binge watched all the seasons and caught up with me like in two days she was so into it so they've got something that connects to teenagers too which i was surprised cool Uh, but it's a good show it's called good girls and it's on nbc nice isn't it isn't it like have like non-redeeming characters aren't they like all fucking like doing degenerate things uh no not not well i mean they're doing bad things because obviously they're ripping off people and stuff like that but at the core of it like one of the ladies husbands is a cop right and he's he's fighting against okay well do i want to be a bad guy or do you want to be a good guy you need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. And he ends up helping one of the ladies get out of trouble. So now he's a bad guy, kind of, right? So they're always kind of fighting this. Mm-hmm. I just want to be a mom and get by. And society is not allowing me to. So I have to go do these other things to get by. Kind of like Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, so I was a little just going to say. Yeah. Wow. So I had... I. I'm like always scrambling to think of something. I've changed my mind twice from this episode of what I'm going to discuss. But you know what? I'm going to discuss something that is popular because Sonny just put it into my head. And when we talk about episodes, the go-to episode when there's nothing on TV for me is always a Law & Order episode. And right now, Law & Order SVU just finished its 21st season. I used to do, I had a spreadsheet once to make sure that I've seen every Law & Order and Law & Order SVU. (laughs) 
and I had it and I would cross it off if I seen I've seen every episode. I've seen so many Law and Order episodes. I've seen where a guy will play a judge, he'll play the defense attorney, he'll play the fucking victim, he'll play the fucking like prosecutor, he'll play everything throughout the whole like all series. It's it's amazing. Um I just finished watching, I caught up, I saw the last episode, episode 21. Um, they were going to do episode 22, but because of what's going on, they never filmed it. And the reason why I'm bringing up law and order SVU is because my favorite is coming back. And that is Chris Maloney's coming back as yep. Elliot Stabler. And he's going to have his own spinoff with the, his own new segment of a cops or something. And they were supposed to have his daughter and his wife be on episode 22 to be like the buildup for what's to come. And I'm so pissed that now I don't know what that was going to be. And I absolutely loved him. I love Law and Order. I still watch it to this day. I just, you know, I don't know. Benson, she she isn't looking so good these days. But she just, you know, she's gotten a little bit of annoying. And there's too much of the character stuff and build up. It's not the old buy the book, show the fucking crime, show the, 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 um, the um, investigation, then bring it over to one of the smoking hottest women ever that would never get along in a fucking office ever. One of those hot ADAs that probably got so sexually harassed. It's not even funny. Um, and, and then they solved the crime. Now it's too much filter and like, oh, isn't Olivia Benson a real hero? And, and she does this annoying thing where she whispers a lot. To the characters. And it's so fucking annoying. It's that, that it's like that Pacino thing that he picked up along the way where he raises oh, his yeah. voice and it just, dude, just stop doing that. Um, she does it. Just watch any Benz in the last 10 years. Watch when she, she'll talk to a client like this. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing <laughs> that for? Um, but every one of those ADAs were on that show. That's my, that's another Spice Girls episode. I could do that with you guys all day long with oh, those women. God. Oh my God. But I just love it. And I'm so excited to see, uh, Stabler come back because he was the best part of that show. And I don't give a shit how much they try to pump it up as Mariga Hagaske, whatever the fuck you call her name. As her, the star, it was fucking badass Stabler. And I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, So that's our You Matter to Me slash now You Make Me Rock Hard segment. Um, And so, guys, uh, Sonny, where can we find you? Uh, Growinguprock.com. We got everything uh, that we've done so far there. I think it's about 160 episodes, probably somewhere in there, I think. And then uh, Podcast Rock City. We're doing all his podcasts. So life is good there. Yeah. You um, anything new on Grown Up Rock you want to you and your partner? Steven are doing recently? Uh, we just did a uh, interview with Aaron Lee, the basis for YT, which was great. Um, and you know, we've been we do some themed episodes, we do some interviews, so we keep it pretty loose there. Uh, we just did oh well, we did an interview with a female guitar player. I can't tell you about yet because it's not out yet, but uh, that was pretty fun. Um, so you know, we're trying to keep it loose. Nice, cool. Tommy, us, yeah, we're on all the social medias. You know that uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, the podcast is everywhere. We're part of the great Pantheon podcast family. So any way you get your podcast, you can hear us. Uh, we're on pretty much every or most of the popular 
outlets there. Check us, uh, check out our buddy Ed from Click T Shop for uh, some cool shout it out loudcast gear um, and uh, also Kiss inspired gear as well. Cool stuff there. Oh, uh, we love our buddy Ed Spangenberg from ClickTShop.com. Yeah. And so, uh, one of the things we usually do is, uh, you know, we always say the email. I always like to repeat it a couple extra times. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. We read your emails. We love them. We have a couple. Sonny's going to read a couple of the emails that we got back on our previous episode. Me and Tom are going to read some Twitter and Facebook comments uh, as well. And we love the interaction, guys. So keep it up. And please give us one of those five-star child reviews on um, iTunes, Podchaser. We've been getting a lot of those recently, so we really appreciate it. And it, it's a great big help to us. Uh, we get a kick out of the emails. Let's start with those first. Sonny, you got a couple emails you want to read for us? Yeah. So this one's titled Adam and Eve, and it says it's from Save Rock. But I think uh, earlier we said it was from Save Rock and Metal. But anyway, it says, hey, guys, first of all, who the fuck flips a kiss card? Yeah, who flips a kiss card? Why? Why did you, you guys don't have a queen? What are they, they against the law in Boston? I'm going to tell you why real quick, because we were completely unprepared. And I'm going to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you want me to come up with some clever story as to why we flipped a kiss card, that's why we did it. And it was fun. <laughs> so <laughs> our buddy in Save Rock and Metal says, do you idiots know the Siri could have done that for you? Yes, but um, it's not as fun. Also, time for some time for some honesty. I had never ordered from Adam and Eve, but after hearing Sonny do the commercial on the last bonus episode, I bought myself a ring. God. I won't tell you what kind of ring. Oh, God. Okay. Why did Sonny entice me to buy? Because I never heard the commercials sound that sexy. Okay, that's that's scary. Oh, God. No, 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 no. Relax, no, no. Newman. I'm a guy. Oh, wait. <laughs> This oh. is a guy. Oh, Just so Sonny knows who he's attracting. Rumor is he only attracts 60-year-old redheaded women, which is a rumor that's true in my personal life, so this motherfucker knows me. Um, <laughs> but that's not true anymore. Absolutely loving the bonus episodes. Wish you guys would do two or three a month. There's plenty of albums to go around. Um, I don't know if we could do two or three a month, but thanks oh. for your email. Appreciate that for sure. Absolutely, yes. And I'm glad that I enticed you to buy a ring of some sort. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, Teddy Barnes writes uh, Soundgarden oh, uh, best, ep- best episode so far You guys need to seriously consider Bringing Sonny on as a permanent third For your Kiss podcast too I know he has another podcast But it doesn't stop any other fat fuck from doing it <laughs> Does he mention? Yeah, does he mention? He doesn't mention who the fat fuck is, but I'm gonna leave it alone. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that could be one of Zeus's, many. Zeus's ranking were the best on this one. Bullshit. Have to agree with Sonny, though. Spoonman rocks. Yes. And the only song I'd play at a dinner party if there ever is such a thing again. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> I, that, we got a kick out of that. And that fat fuck. Yeah, edit the edit that out. <laughs> oh. So obviously there's somebody out there with many Kiss podcasts. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys do the Kiss podcast. Wonderful without me. I don't need another full time Kiss podcast gig for sure. Nice. Well, you're, you're, you're we we appreciate the, that feedback and those those kind words, or maybe maybe not so kind words. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, so, you weren't the fat fuck he was talking about. If that makes you feel better. That's that could true. be one of 30 fucking podcasters out there. That is true. 
Unfortunately, that is true. All right. So we got some feedback here from Facebook. This is friggin' hilarious. This made me laugh out loud. So this is from Adam Nickmeyer on Facebook. He goes, wow, <laughs> ruin a great podcast with trash music. Puke. <laughs> <laughs> so I responded with thanks for listening. He goes, always guys. And then our buddy Graham Richley jumps into the conversation and he goes, Adam, I'm with you. That was painful. Thank God Sonny is sane and called that shit out. But kudos for shouting out Loudcast for doing it. I will listen to anything those guys discuss unless they do another Soundgarden album. Oh, and then we got another one from Facebook from uh, our crazy fan, Kevin Jepson. He goes, what the fuck, Sonny Pooney? Dude, it can't, it can't all be Y and T. Kevin's. Kevin's a cool guy. I've met him a couple of times. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Oh yeah. And he says, fun. Listen, guys. I love listening to the disgust. The other person has their <laughs> opinion of a song. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. My number one would have been fell on black days. So that's oh. some face. That's some Facebook feedback. Awesome stuff. Oh my God. I love it. So I'm going to read some Twitter ones. This is from Stanley <laughs> lives for you. This album is only about two thirds, right? One third is really bad. Sonny definitely had the most righteous ranking. These bonus episodes are wonderful. Have a blessed Sunday. Then he felt the need to write us another one today. I love love this. This Uh episode was, he must have listened to it again or something from Stanley Liz for you. This episode was long, but I was laughing so hard that it was worth listening every minute. Someone tell the two fuckos that Spoonman is the best song on the album. I love it when Zeus gets angry. (laughs) I'm glad you find it amusing. Um, Oh, I amuse you. I amuse you. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? So our buddy Graham Richley hit us on Twitter as well. Thanks, guys. Now I know why the album is called Super Unknown. It is super unknown how anyone can voluntarily listen to this shit. (laughs) (laughs) It was painful just listening to the snippets. Sludgy. Boring. Just head-shakingly sad. Sonny is my hero for calling out the Emperor's new clothes. Oh, stop it, Graham. (laughs) So... Sonny, we don't always just give you the shit ones about you. This one, you're winning. Okay, buddy? Um, Eladio writes, Like Suicide has always been my favorite track. Oh, smart man. Yep. Darren71, we will have to agree on that one. LOL. I think both albums are great, but nothing on um, Super Unknown has the fire of Rusty Cage. I think we were talking about a bad motor finger. Jesus Christ poser, slave and bulldozers. I love that you guys enjoy grunge. I, too, was right at that age where I lived... uh, both genres and that's the thing me and tommy are both in this our buddy deuce wrote i think this is great head down is the boomerang of this album (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) that's half buddy half is the boomerang um deuce also had written here 
Agree with Zeus. Chris Cornell's vocals make this this album. What would be a crap song is a damn good, and what would be a good song is freaking awesome because of his vocals. By the way, I'm with Sonny. I don't like a lot of grunge, but love this. Uh, then our good friend Donna Chang is sexy. Best Twitter handle out there. Spoon the Man, without a doubt. Honestly, half of this album is shit. Great episode, though. Your best so far. Let's do a Saxon album next. Oh, <laughs> Why you ask? I have no idea. Dude, Donna Chang is sexy is definitely your partner's uh, burner account. Burner account. <laughs> Saxon. Then he jumps in. Donna Chang is sexy. <clears throat> Stephen Michael. Um. Oh, I forgot. Please tell Zeus to stop singing. What key is he singing in, anyways? LOL. Love busting Zeus's balls. Um, I don't know how to sing, and that is obvious. But more importantly, I don't care that you fucking don't like my singing. So eat a dick. Anyways, on that happy note, any comments about the comments? Yeah, you forgot a good one. Our buddy Deuce gave me some props, too. He talks about fresh tendrils. He said, I agree with Tom. It's one of the best deep cuts on the album. That's right, baby. Did I have that? Oh, yep. Underneath. He wrote fresh tendril Pink Floyd, huh? Not Not getting that. Have to agree with Tom. One of the best. Yeah, you should have read i had it both on the same one that he had but i didn't read the comment oh, the okay. but he's exactly. right who the fuck said fresh tendrils is pink floyd that's moron i don't remember i don't remember that probably Ta- sunny no sunny read it, <laughs> it was that he saw heard it on a different podcast yeah, uh, ridiculous rock record reviews but they're not stupid they're right yeah ridiculous think, well, fucking no, they're opinion. ridiculous <laughs> yeah, yeah I think that's why they're <laughs> That's why their show is called Ridiculous well, Rock Record Review. I think, I think exactly. Aaron, went, it went like this. Aaron Look. Martell's a good guy. They did. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, 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 te- I'm teasing. I, I've actually listened to that oh, show I before. Do. Jermaine, stop teasing. No, no, no. I don't know that, them that, from a, a fucking hole in the wall. If they can't take a joke that we just fucking said that that's ridiculous, fuck them. Yeah, exactly. I don't wow. think they're going to get offended. See, Zeus angry. See, yeah, I, say, I don't I think they're going to get offended. That we said that that's a fucking ridiculously stupid comment. Doesn't sound actually, like fucking Pink Floyd. I think it's funny that people got all fucking bent out of shape over us doing super unknown. That's those are the people <laughs> that can fuck off. Well, that's because we have to do Saxon next. Yeah, denim and leather coming soon to you. <laughs> next up, Grim Reaper. Um, another fucking short episode for us. Yeah, so. Right. <laughs> That being said, Sonny, do you have uh, any famous last words? Lady Luck never smiles, so lend your love to me a while. Do with me what you will. You can use all the items you bought at adamweeb.com and break the spell. Take your fill. I added that other part if you don't know. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. I thought, those, I, I thought those were the original Joe Elliott penned lyrics. <laughs> Go to something.com in 1983. <laughs> Oh, Tomas, I'd be your lover if you were there. Put your hurt on me if you dare. Such a woman, you got style. You make every man feel like a child. Oh, <laughs> is that Dice Man there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dice could have done, I want to touch you. He could have done that, too. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> I thought you said Herda, the German housemaid. Oh, um, oh blah. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> we used to have we used to have somebody I don't know whose bright idea it was to to put like this sponsorship for this, this little awesome. Israeli boy and his name was Bilal and put like the fucking picture up on our wall in our fucking Flynn basement and be like, oh, would you like to raise raise money for Bilal? Look at his we can say it looked like Grasso in his Easter suit. And, and now there's a running back for the New York Jets named Belal Powell, and I can't take it seriously every time I see him. For some reason, we would equate the fucking Belal guy with our German housekeeper going, ooh, and have this imaginary fucking underage inappropriate relationship. Ooh, Belal, where are you going? <laughs> oh my fucking head hurts! <laughs> fucking stupid! Fucking <laughs> 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 that fucking guy in the chats, Tommy. And every time we watch football again, Bilal Powell. Oh my god! It's fucking awful. All right, wrap it up. All right, I gotta get myself. Ah, uh, second best song on the album. I'll be the hero You be the star With your wine And your caviar No audition A starring role I'll be your Bogart And you be Monroe Yeah Nice Yes Sonny thank you Tom thank you Kiss Army Loudcasters Thank you Sonny thanks so much For joining us as always A lot of fun um, Great time Talking my favorite album With two of my favorite people Thanks for being there Oh man Great great time And uh, always have fun With you guys Awesome Peace out Girl Scout It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 